You know what I want to hear. Troops about face. Dixon. Dixon! Forward! March! Oh, I wish I was in the land of cotton. Old times there were not forgotten. Look away! Look away! Look away! Duncan and both come correct. We will launch into this nonsense. We're gonna we're gonna keep this a lean three. Uh, <laughs> is my plan at the at the outside? Like I'm, I'm thinking, like we can do this. We don't have to. I, I, I think I think we can get through this in two hours. I you would like to think so because the episodes don't offer a lot, but sometimes that's when things go wrong. Yeah, but I I I. I... I'm confident we will get this through this in two because I I genuinely think there are quite a few scenes in here that even the only way they'll be long is if we start talking about something completely different, even completely unrelated to the show. And I'm going to try and stop doing that. All right, all right. <laughs> Although the last so, episode was fucking amazing. So, all right. Uh, well, I will. And you know what? I still am. That is the introduction to the show. Hello, mm-hmm. everyone. Um. <laughs> Because I, I, there's a little bit of the sausage being made there, and you deserve that. Uh, and also, just so you know, for the record, we've had this discussion about Every four episode. times now. <laughs> Every episode, we have this discussion. Just before Bo gives us a countdown to go in, we say, on this episode, we will not surpass two hours. We will keep this tight. We'll stop all the nonsense. We'll still have a laugh, but we'll we'll get to the, the, the meat and bones of, of the show, and then about three and a half hours into it, I'm like that. Oh, why do I even bother? Why do I bother? Let's just roll with it. And that is generally at the point where you get some soul singing, um, some like pretty awful, horrendous impressions, and the occasion occasional werewolf fisting. So. Yeah. <laughs> um i i say um yeah so uh in that spirit duncan Mm -hmm. let's start with a question Uh oh jason gray asks us uh who would win in a fight nadine or deputy hawk fucking hell really dude i think if it's a physical fight nadine if it's a spiritual fight hawk yeah, I mean, you gotta. I think you have to make that differentiation because you're mm-hmm. right. Nadine possesses the sheer physical strength of the Coma Hulk. The Coma Hulk is. I mean, we can't even like, see if it was one of those test your strength machines, and and she hit that. It, it, I mean, it would go off the scale. The the the, the measurement would break. Yeah. Um, whereas Hawk, and we all love some. We all love a bit of the cock. No doubt. Um, <laughs> the cock. Yeah. Get that? You love a bit of the cock. I get yeah, we it. All love a bit of, we all love a bit of Hawk's cock. Um, he is... He's a very spiritual entity. And I, I think even if his body was destroyed, he he would... He, he would, would only grow his, stronger, Duncan. He would. <laughs> strike me down. Just a master um, of evil, Nadine. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Ethereal blue glow around them. I am the and master then... now! <laughs> Could Sorry. you imagine? Darth Nadine. Uh, <laughs> there you go, Jesus. Darren. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's this week's meme. Yeah, I mean, it would just <laughs> be, like, be that. Still not as good as uh, uh, <laughs> as um, Coma Ape, which is the great, <laughs> which is the greatest thing that's ever happened on this show. <laughs> I have found far. I found myself doing that in my walking around time, which is not healthy. Um, <laughs> well, not for people around you or anyone that can hear you. Um, so yeah, I think I think I think you have to take that into account. I think in that in that level, I think it's I think it would be a draw. On a spiritual plane, definitely Hawk. On a physical plane, there's no way it could not be Nadine. Yeah, like Hawk, Deputy Hawk's dream warrior would be just Deputy Hawk. Mm. I like that. That's good. Yeah, he doesn't have to like dress up and have butterfly knives and shit. He's just like I'm. I look like me because I'm pretty <laughs> awesome. If I weren't going up against a coma Hulk, I would have had this every day. But every day. You know, she's an impervious coma hulk who only gets stronger the angrier she yeah. gets. Yeah. Her yeah. soul is out of balance and maybe that's how he wins the physical fight. He brings her soul back in a balance, drains her of her coma hulk power. Maybe, but I think she's always had that power though. Yeah. Even when yeah. she was seen, she was on that exercise machine yeah. bending the metal as if it was nothing. I think all that's happened is by being in the coma, it has unfiltered her control over the power. Um, very much like when Cyclops has his sunglasses removed, you know, he's just like laser beams everywhere. Mm-hmm. But when they're on, he can control when he takes them off. Ball. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I used a comic book reference here and I did that right. I am so impressed at the same time disgusted by myself. Yeah. It's it, it's kind of far less impressive when you call it out. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't looking for... Uh, praise i was looking for disdain from myself when i listened back to this uh okay <laughs> so duncan mm-hmm. let's keep the ball rolling in our efforts to keep this under you know the length of the ten commandments say uh <laughs> is my goal um so let's talk about what we have been watching um and so let me know what uh what you've been seeing lately that I know you've been watching a lot of Hellraiser, so yeah, you don't have to talk about that here. This is a <laughs> this is a safe place. Is this a safe place? Uh, yeah, a lot of Hellraiser. I will say, finished American Gods. Um, I have mentioned that previously uh, a couple of times that I've been watching that show. So watched the season finale, and yeah, that show is really fucking good. Um, it's on point thus far. Favorite TV show this year. Um, yeah, get on that boat. Like, seriously, get on that so we can talk about that in an informal fashion and just, like, gush over how fucking beautiful that TV show looks. Um, it really, really... Even at the end, even though I knew where it was going, um, without reading the books, I knew what the the reveal of Ian McShane's character was. Um, just the way they all played it up and the, the way it all culminated was just phenomenal. And that TV show, I can't wait for that to come back. I think they're talking, the way the book's written to the show, I think they're talking about potentially four seasons fit. And I can't wait for that. 
um, that will keep me going. So yeah, uh, I know there's plenty of great TV still to come out this year, and Twin Peaks has been on a bit of a tear for me at the moment. It's, it's doing real fucking good and a lot of things, but the story is still to really come into focus there, and we are mere weeks away from uh, Game of Thrones returning, which will like literally melt my face. Um, but yeah, American Gods, fantastic fucking TV show. Just a little bit dismayed that a lot of people are put off by its more artistic nature, very similar to how people were turned off with Hannibal for the same reasons. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it is worth the journey. Amazon's backing it to the hilt there. Um, they're saying that the, the viewing figures are pretty phenomenal for their platform, so I, I don't think there's any dangers of it being cancelled any times. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm jazzed. I, I will get into it sooner rather than later, especially now that's all wrapped up and I know I can just you know, power through. Yeah, binge it. Yeah. yeah. What, what about yourself? What have you been uh, checking out? Uh, well, I have, uh, I've been on a bit of a, a hammer slash, you know, gothic era British horror kick lately. Very nice. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, including uh, The Gorgon I watched. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dracula has risen from the grave. Taste the blood of Dracula. Twins of Evil. Asylum. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, and I think that's it. And I, I, I uh, probably will continue with uh, Vampire Lovers pretty soon. I've been kind of revisiting the Karnstein trilogy there. But uh, um, the all right. So that's all bullshit. Uh, here's what I wanted to talk to you about, Duncan. So I watched Unbreakable again. Oh, yeah, M. Night Shamalama. Shamalama Ding Dongs, Unbreakable. Shamalama. M. Night Shamala. M. Night Shambles. M. Night Shamaka. M. Night Shambling down the road, looking for a place to lay my head. Nice. M. Night <laughs> Shambling Rambling Man by Bob Seeger. <laughs> <laughs> you won. You won. Uh, all right, all right. But uh, yeah, because I watched Split recently, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. But I, I felt kind of ambivalent about the very end of that film. You know, mm-hmm. for for spoilery reasons. Spoiler uh, alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. In that the end of Split made me want to go back and watch Unbreakable. Um, mm-hmm. And I I don't know that I really love that movie, but I respect that movie. It's my favorite movie of his. It's, I think it's his best. I but I, I I really hate the way the movie ends. I think is my problem with it. I think it ends. All right. It it, just, it seems to kind of fizzle for me. I felt like you needed something there, but maybe that was the point because it was the anti superhero movie in a lot of ways. And rather than a you know a confrontation in fisticuffs, it's more just like oh you're a fucking criminal. Um, anyway. <laughs> So, but, hmm. yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it just, like, right. when I'm watching it, I have a perfectly fine time. I, I'm never having a great time watching it. And when it's over with, I feel kind of bad. Right. But but right. not because I felt saying. the movie was bad, but I just, I'm it, it leaves me in a bad spot as a person. I'm, uh-huh. like, I cut uh, after I watch Unbreakable. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I I can't quite figure out what it is about that mo- that movie that 
that pushes me away when I want to love it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like Bruce Willis quite a bit in that film. I think it's the best thing Bruce Willis has done in the last 20 years, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, and now I always, I don't know. I, to me, I think with time, the ending has maybe been a bit colder because there was always that assumption that, uh, certainly from from the time period when I watched it, it was always that assumption that he was going to do something else with it, and it never happened. Um, like almost like it was, I don't know. It's like to me, I kind of Samuel Jackson is super smart but super frail, and like I suppose if you're if you're um, if you're looking from, I don't know, from a point of view of a superhero, then maybe, or a supervillain, maybe is shit that way. But um, I think his whole thing was to prove that, like, people with abilities were real. Right. Well, to, he it, just did it. He just did it the wrong way. He just did it from a villain's perspective. Yeah. You know, we, setting up all these things, which I, I'm cool with, because at the end of that movie, we find out that Bruce Willis is someone abnormally you know, impervious to things. And that's the twist. If you know what I mean? And I, I know I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. You kind of feel like at that point there should be some sort of payoff, some sort of like reveal which makes it like some sort of kind of grand Machiavellian battle at the end, but it's not because ultimately Samuel Jackson's character's frail. <laughs> he's the yeah. opposite. He's he's Mr. Glass. Um I love that, but I, I love that movie. I really do. I think it's yeah. the best. I, I'll tell you, though, uh, the scene that always works on me, that I think is just one of the best scenes in any movie ever, is the scene when he's uh, trying to see how strong he is and the mm-hmm. kid's putting on the weights. Yeah. And that whole sequence of, like, you know, the kid saying, you know, I put more on there. And and culminating with the gag of like, don't tell your mom about this. I, I think yeah. all of that's just wonderful. Uh, it re- yeah, I- it, that whole scene reminds me of the jaw scene uh, with the wine glass and making faces. Almost, it's that like yeah. connection of father and son and stuff. And yeah. Anyway, it's, it's, it's really, I, I I I know maybe where you're coming from to an extent. It just never bothered me. I always just I really like that. Maybe it's because I'm not necessarily. Don't know, invested in... If they'd went to superhero with it at the end, or two comic book vibed towards the end of it, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as I did. It was just the right amount. Um, but the, the the idea that they've now expanded the universe out a little further to incorporate, like, McElvoy as the, the big bad that you want, really, at the end of uh, Unbreakable... That showdown to me is going to be infinitely fascinating. So yeah. I, I can't wait for that. Can't wait for that. Um, and yeah, I, n- never write off M Night Shyamalan. I think that's the 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 moral of the the story is that guy was at one point going to be the next big thing. He was going to be the director who, you know, he was going to be the next Scorsese. He was going to be calling his shots, doing what you know, the next Tarantino. Really, kind of. And to an extent he did, because people 
took techniques he did specifically the you know the twist end reveal um and and kind of ran with that and people started to overanalyze how they finished movies in the wake of things like Sixth Sense um or or, or the or or signs but you know he 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 pretty much went to the brink he pretty much ruined his career he had a string of some awful fucking movies like g- genuinely like movies that I think are just, like, while you're making this, how can you not see this movie as shit? You know what I mean? Are you that blinded by your by your own perceived ego now that you cannot see that what you're doing is tawdry, it's nonsense, it's not entertaining, and it's it's ludicrous? I mean, Lady in the Lake, not great. Uh, sorry, Lady in the Water, it's a bad... The Happening is just fucking shite. <laughs> <laughs> such a bad movie and he did that one with fucking Will Smith and Jaden Smith I mean that to me yeah. is at that point you're just like your career is over dude I don't know what you're clinging on to but whatever it is now let go and die um, and he's went back to basics he stripped out all that nonsense and went back to basics and did the visit which I really liked I know that you liked most of it um, and then returned with Split which is him starting to climb back up the ladder again of you know, as bigger named actors, bigger scope, bigger budget. But Split to me is a really good movie, and now he is moving himself back in a position where it looks like he's doing what he wants to do. And I'm excited for that. I kind of want to see where he goes with that. I want to see the next. I want to see Unbreakable too. I, I I can't wait for that movie. I think the time is right for him. But I am fully aware that there is every chance that he will not have learned the mistakes of the past. And he'll fuck it up. So, watch this space. Yeah, I I think the move he needs to make is to kind of stay in his lane for a little bit. Um, it, like with the budget of film that he's doing, like the visit or split, like yeah, you know, keep it keep it under fifty, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. and and at that price, you can like he needs to just knock one out of the park like split was really good um i thought you know yeah i got my problems with the visit but it did have the diaper face so thumbs up <laughs> um both those both those movies made a shitload of money yeah yeah i mean the visit did not cost a lot of money it made a, a ton back for blumhouse um split cost i think it was in the region of about 20 million and the last time i checked had surpassed 200 million yeah so the guy can the guy can do it you know i mean and what i like is he's kind of he's kind of went back to his roots he's kind of went back to genre stuff right Um, but let's keep him there like don't don't fuck this up for us and give him like a comic like a real comic book movie not unbreakable too but yeah I mean, the best news I heard was that that um, Tales from the Crypt project that his name was linked to had kind of fallen apart again. Because I don't want him doing that. Don't do that. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, you're you've you've got. You don't move into a medium just now that you could fuck up. You know what I mean? Like, let's let's keep where you are. You're doing things right. Let's just build on what you're doing. Just be aware of what you're doing, and. Let's let's get let's get to the next project and let's just keep that ball rolling in the right direction. Let's not get distracted. You start taking on too much, then you know you'll take your eye off the ball, and that's when things will go wrong. But he's he's more interesting to me when he's when he is working with a smaller budget 
and he has maybe one or two kind of bigger named actors, maybe not top tier A-list actors, but I mean, Bruce Willis was a fairly, I mean, he was still like A-list, but he wasn't like superstar top billing listing in the late 90s. Uh, when he when he did six cents or unbreakable, was, yeah, was that post Hudson Hawk? I guess, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, post Hudson Hawk, but uh, also post um, Pulp Fiction. Oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so he'd done Pulp Fiction. He'd obviously done at least one or two Die Hards as well. Um, so you know, when when he did six cents, he was he was still like big big time, but. Um, and this was a non-action role. You know what I mean? That's what was quite interesting. And I think he's really good in The Sixth Sense, but I think he's better in Unbreakable. Um, there's more scope for him to, to actually act in that. I think, you know, whether it's working with someone like Mel Gibson um, and uh, Signs, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, who I think is genuinely a really good actor anyway, uh, I think he has... I mean, even the... Perf- although, in saying... Like Lady in the the Water is a terrible movie, but our buddy's amazing in it. Uh, what's his face? Paul Giamatti. Yeah, Paul Giamatti. He, but I was yeah. thinking Paul Giamatti just genu- genuinely is good in everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't know how much of that Shyamalan and how much of that is Giamatti just being like, well, this is it's ludicrous. all Giamatti, baby. <laughs> so I don't know. I think, yeah, I just I I I would not have you if you'd asked me four years ago. Um, if I could predict that Shyamalan would have two movies in back-to-back years that were going to be on the higher end of grossing horror movies, I would have laughed at you. <laughs> like, I would have been like, fuck off, boy, you're just being silly now, you're just trying to get a rise out of me. Um, and he's done it. He's He's done it. He's done it comfortably. So, once again, the only man that can fuck this up is himself. And generally, about like that, you're not making mistakes again. But he did have a run of really bad movies. Like it wasn't just one. Yeah, it no, had... it was several consecutive real stinkers. Yeah, the village is not a good movie. The Hatman nope. is not a good movie. Nope. Lady in the Lake is not a good movie. And or sorry, Lady or in, in the Water. Yeah. Uh, and the Last Airbender was not a good movie. Nope. And that one with Will Smith is not a good movie. So nope. that's like what five movies back to back that are bad. So. You know, that's not uh, someone learning from their mistakes. That's someone, like, not listening to advice. Um, so, yeah. He's the only one that can fuck it up for himself, and I hope he doesn't. Yeah, like, he is now in official Robert Downey Jr. second chance territory. America loves yes. you now. Don't fuck <laughs> it up. So, M. Night Shyamalan, man, now. Shyamalan... Uh, M. Night Shyam on the Moon. Um, M. Night Mary Had a Little Lamb. Perfect. Sham Lamb. <laughs> Sham Lamb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so dumb already. It has begun. It really has. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, uh, you're on notice, M. Night Shyam on the and uh, we are M- one more. Do it, M Night Shamu the Whale. Very nice. I prefer Orca. Um, Duncan. Yes. 
hey, do you know that Twin Peaks is a television show that people talk about sometimes? I, I am aware that there are several podcasts out there that do that, but I'm also aware that none of them are as ridiculous as ours. Ah, God bless you. <laughs> you when you're that right, you're right. Steve's firmly, firmly on our heads. Yeah. We didn't want it, we didn't ask for it, but now we have it. You will pry it out from my cold fucking dead hands. You know what? At the end of this season, Duncan, we get each other trophies. You know? We celebrate. I love that idea. I'm getting you a hot one. <laughs> I, I mean, I think they're both going to be hawks. Let's not, let's not shit I ourselves. I want an owl one. I you want, want an owl? owl? All right. Yeah, because they're not what they seem. They are not. Very much like Transformers. I kind of like that idea that... I kind of like the idea of a, a David Lynch Transformer movie. Uh, it like him directing one. Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. I, I wonder how. I wonder how he would direct Marky Mark. I think. I think it would look very much like Tetsuo. <laughs> I want to see that movie. Make sure the penis is a drill. Which is a sentence you know he has said at some point. <laughs> 110%. Um, <laughs> the episodes we're talking about tonight, though, Duncan, uh, begin with uh, episode 20... Oh, I'm sorry. Episode 21 of The Run, episode 14 of season two. The mm-hmm. episode is entitled Double Play. Yeah. Um... Which I think, that is legitimately the most excited I'm going to get in this whole episode. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> you're not wrong. It's uh, it's directed by Yuli Edel, um, who uh, did uh, the Little Vampire and Purgatory, Confessions of a Sorority Girl. That like in in fairness, last, last exit to Brooklyn is probably. The big claim to fame here, as, uh, yeah. as well as Body of Evidence. Yeah, I remember Body of Evidence. Starring Willem Dafoe slobbering on Madonna. Mm-hmm. That's a movie that happened, kids. That um, is a movie that happened, and I'm fairly sure that Madonna has been torturing her body and her eyes since because of it. Uh, anyway. Um, but so, directed by that guy. And uh, written by Scott, Scott Frost, uh, Mark Frost's brother. Uh, who has a couple of episodes here in the run. Um, so, yeah, Duncan. <laughs> it, it starts It feels good. daunting. It, it feels daunting. I feel that once we get into the swing of things, we will we will feel better. But the, the like Confucius once said, oh, yeah. uh, Confucius, I don't know if you remember him, ancient, Chinese philosopher. He said that Very the famous. longest journey starts with but a single step. Yes. And what is our single step? Our first step is into a very good scene, actually, uh, which is the body uh, in the uh, Twin Peaks Sheriff Station. Mm-hmm. Uh, the body left there by Wyndham Earl. Um, and it is. Uh, you know they're they're trying to determine uh, cause of death, time of death, and Agent Cooper uh, is like, "Hey, look, I'm the super sleuth here. Plus, I know this dude. This is clearly um, Wyndham Earl. If you pull up uh, this guy's shirt, there's going to be a stab wound that's going to be upwards, and it's going to mm-hmm. sever the the aorta. 
and uh, he's not going to have left a single clue. Not one fucking clue, apart from a chess piece, which was inside the guy's mouth and sellotape shut. Yes. Um, yeah, so, you know, we're where we want to be, right? This is cool. It's Agent Cooper. There's a dead dude in a chair with a finger pointing to a chessboard. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And uh, then, of course. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Let's just stay in that moment. All stay right. in that happy moment. So, uh, you know, he's saying. Be the moment. <laughs> Wyndham Earl also was the guy who uh, sabotaged the power station. Yeah. You know, like the whole scheme. And it also means for Agent Cooper that uh, Wyndham Earl has been there and he says, I can feel his presence. <laughs> Which is a wee bit cheesy, but it's Coop. Yeah. If Coop says that, I'm done with that. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, I mean, he's a spiritual guy, a philosophical guy. Yeah. Uh, I feel a presence. <laughs> yeah, I sense a disturbance <laughs> in the peaks. Um <laughs> <laughs> like a like a hundred homeless tourists all cried out in pain and then vanished. Uh, all Windermerrill victims, all with pawns stuck in their mouths. Um yeah, it's a it's an interesting I, I mean, obviously what I like about this scene is we're now Wyndham Earl has been a background character, has for all intents and purposes been something that's mentioned one or twice, but now we are getting some meat on the bones. And we are hearing very, very quickly this guy is, like, of evil genius status. Like, very, very intelligent, clearly ruthless, um, and hell-bent on one goal, and that is that is to torment our hero and the listener's hero, the Coop. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a genuinely good scene that moves things forward. And and gives us more stake in the goings on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then let's go to uh, a scene at the Great Northern, where other things are happening. <laughs> and okay, in fairness, we again we're starting okay here because we got Agent Cooper in the Wyndham Earl situation, um, which, as you may remember, listeners from the last episode, he now is in possession of one. Leo Johnson. Um, and so we've got all that stuff going on. So the, all of that is vaguely interesting. Uh, the, the Leo stuff is the vaguely interesting part. All the rest is pretty good. He's not got Leo Johnson yet. That happens in this episode. Oh, did I spoil the episode? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> well, no, it happens right. in this episode. So you've not spoiled anything. All right. Yet. All right. Sorry. You're right. I fucked up. Um, that's a <laughs> I... Fucked up, Duncan. <laughs> I made a mistake. Um, I'm willing to own it. Uh, well, let's, I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll tell you what we'll do, right? Yes. I'll tell you what we'll do. Is let's just compact that whole storyline and let's just get that out of the way. Right? We know what the end is. How does that start? How does Leo Johnson end up at Windermere? So let's just get this whole thing out just now and then we can jump back to all the Move on with scenes. our lives. Okay. Yes. So, <laughs> so Leo... If you will remember, listeners, from the last episode, here's what really happened, is that (laughs) Leo uh, woke up and was being creepy and scary, and Shelly was being uh, creepily scared. Mm 
as one would be in yes. this situation. And and actually, this whole sequence uh, of Leo kind of waking up and whatnot uh, and chasing her around, like with an axe, no less, um, yep. is all shot like a horror movie, and it's pretty well done. That's uh, what I love about this. I love th- about this particular storyline is, once again, every now and again, Twin Peaks has this flourish of horror that comes in, um, and it usually revolves around Leo. Like when Leo, I told you before, when Leo was uh, meeting the guys, um, Bobby and Mike, in the first season, one of the early episodes, as they're running into the woods, it's shot almost for like a kind of foretelling Blair Witch style found footage run through the woods sort of sequence. So there have been elements of Leo in the past that have kind of devolved into this kind of a horror-ish way of doing things and this is exactly the same she is in a house very much like a, a slasher movie she's in a house um she's trying to find out where leo is uh, the doors are all locked and the lights are out and she's essentially being stalked by um the monster that is leo yeah, and he he's later referred to since I spoiled one thing. Fuck it, let's let's go the uh, the full money. <laughs> um, somebody refers to him later as Leo Stein, <laughs> and so that's what he has become to me. It's and, like he, he makes his grand escape, runs past a pond where he sees a little girl picking <laughs> petals off daisies. He kind of joins him with it. Yeah, he kind of <laughs> does because drowns up. Well, he ends up at a, a remote shack in the woods where a hermit is, and yeah. he can't really speak. Like, even when he's attacking Shelly, he's like, goodbye, wife. And, <laughs> and Shelly's yeah, like, it's hard to take you seriously, even with the ex, when you talk like that. Yeah, the coma didn't, like, he didn't come out at freakishly smart. No, he didn't dead zone this up. Yeah. He did. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Listen, wife. <laughs> the Dude. ice is going to break. Yes. Oh, <laughs> feels good. Does feel good. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, Leo Stein um, <laughs> is, uh, is going to bring, <laughs> is going to, is going to bring Shelly uh with the axe and uh bobby rushes in and <laughs> i think he thinks there's something going on over here <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> he's like hey what's going on with leo over here and <laughs> and shelly's like ah <laughs> yeah he comes back he tries to get in the door the door's locked and he can hear a commotion. He looks. I love this bit. He looks through the window, and Leo's fucking hand comes out the window once again, like a horror movie, and tries to strangle Bobby. It's great. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it's very again Leo Stein of just like one fist, just <laughs> arrgh, arrgh. and <laughs> friend, right? Hey, you're choking me over here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then like Shelly gets up and, and like uh what like hits Leo in the back of the head or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, she tried to escape earlier on and their house is kind of Oh, she had the knife, being, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's part being constructed and there's a section of it which is just a wooden frame with um like 
polythene over it and she's cut that open earlier. Bobby comes in, Leo takes him clear off the ground with, with the, the handle of the axe strangling him, is about to kill him. Shelly stabs Leo in the leg with the knife that right. she had to cut him the, po- the polythene ah. and Leo <laughs> makes that noise. And he kind of does ob- on the show. He does, he really does. Uh, and <laughs> And then he hobbles out into the woods. Yeah, um, we're... yeah onto the moors. Yeah. <laughs> we join him. And we could do this right at the end of this episode. He basically ends up at a cabin. Um, he opens the cabin. An and... old blind man gives him soup. Yeah. Because <laughs> it is very much like, my name is Wyndham. What's your name? And he's like, friend. (laughs) (laughs) It goes in and he meets um, a guy sitting in front of a chessboard. If you had not have guessed by this point, this is Wyndham Earl. Um, And, yeah. He he kind of realises... Well, no, I don't think... I think that's as far as we get. Wyndham Earl acknowledges that's who he is yeah and that's the end of that storyline for this episode right it, it kind of is it's spaced weirdly there's a lot of that at the beginning of the episode and then it kind of bookends the end of the episode with him arriving at the cabin but there's not it's not exactly spaced out all the way through this episode which is why i just said let's just bitch roll this motherfucker out of the way um which gets us back to well uh how bobby stuff. got there in the first place is yeah. <laughs> in the Great Northern. How did it get over here? Yeah, well, it doesn't show that, Duncan. But before <laughs> he, he fought Leo Stein, Bobby Briggs <laughs> versus Leo Stein, an MGM production. Uh, hey. Bobby two times. What's going on over here, over here? Right. <laughs> hey, you're a monster over here, over here. Um, <laughs> and... But anyway, so Bobby is talking to Audrey, which, again, fine. You got Audrey in the scene. I'm reasonably happy just her being there. Cause she's and in, mildly aroused. Sure. She's uh, she's being prime Audrey, where she's kind of scheming a little bit. Mm-hmm. And because uh, Bobby is like, hey, your old man's crazy over here. Because as <laughs> listeners may remember, uh, Ben Horn believes he is a Southern general. And has spent all his time recreating battles in his office. Yeah, in particular, Gettysburg. Yes. So Which I am led to believe is an important one. Uh, yeah, it was. It's America's bloodiest battle. Um, we lost more Americans that day than have ever existed, Duncan. That <laughs> that's history. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna say that. You may want to check the math on that, but that's yep. fine. That's fine. No, no, no. Willy math there, uh, but that's that's cool. Yeah, uh, that's it's new math, Duncan. It's hard to get your head around. <laughs> um, so anyway, Bobby is like lamenting the fact that he's he wanted to be in business with Ben Horn, who is now all I think is the technical term for it. I was very good actually. The, cross between a, a crazy man and a tweaky from Buck Rogers. Thanks. And <laughs> it's going to end up in the giggle factory. Another favorite of mine. <laughs> yeah. 
he's, he's Bobby arrived at the wrong time. Essentially, right. like, yeah, yeah. Bobby's big break has landed in the middle of someone's psychological breakdown. Yeah, can't win for losing. And uh, Audrey uh, takes some ice out, and she's like, "This is my father." I and, love this bit. Yeah, and then she closes her hand, and the ice melts. And uh, Bobby's like, "Hey, the ice melted over here. There ain't nothing in your hand." <laughs> and over here, <laughs> over here, and. She's like, that's right. My father's very fragile right now, which means you need to be sucking up to me. Mm-hmm. Because if he goes away, I control everything. Yeah. And it's pretty great. It is. Uh, I love this. It's like, once again, this is, this is Audrey Horn's time to shine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there are moments like she's always kind of hiding behind the scenes and stuff. We see plenty of, uh, uh, of scenes of her kind of going into the walls and shit, listening to people behind the walls. So we know she's kind of clued in anyway, but yeah, it's nice to see her being like right out of the gate assertive. Cause so much of all that uh, one eyed Jack stuff was her being very damsel in distress. And that's kind of yeah. not my favorite Audrey. Yeah. I'm the same. I'm the same. This is like, this is primo Audrey right here is when she is, Working from the shadows, but ultimately steering the game in her direction. Yeah. All right. So let's, now that we've caught up with uh, Bobby over here and Audrey, <laughs> um, we head back to the. Uh... <laughs> I knew oh, it because I, I know you love it. That's what his full name was. That yeah. would be the greatest thing ever. So um, we Can get... I speak to uh, Mr. Over here, please. <laughs> Hey, hey. <laughs> who would name the kid over here over here? Um, <laughs> get the peepers, get the peepers. <laughs> right. Um, so we head back to the uh, the sheriff's station where they're still kind of looking over the crime scene. And it's sort of official at this point. Like, yeah, sure enough, there's no real evidence here. We do, though, get the piece of information, which is just kind of tossed off in this scene, that um, Agent Cooper has been cleared of all charges. Yep. And is free and clear. He's still suspended from the Bureau. Mm-hmm. But he's he's a free man. And, and thus... He's still deputized as well. Yeah. So he's now at the, the, the pleasure of uh, Harry S. Truman's um, Twin Peaks Sheriff's Office. Yes. Which he's, a de- he's been deputized. That's right. Um, I... <laughs> For some reason, I thought there was more. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> he's been deputized over here, over here. Ah, oh, fair enough. Um, hey, <laughs> that that would be. I'll tell you what. I do want to see Bobby Briggs deputy. <clears throat> Look at this body over here. <clears throat> over here. Um, <laughs> Just remember this conversation. All right. Right, store this one. Like, lock this one in. I got it. Right, what are you remembering? Uh, I'm remembering over here, over here. No, what are you remembering? I'm remembering... <laughs> God damn it, What Duncan. did you want? What? What did you want? What did you want? When? I've totally lost what we're talking about <laughs> at this point. You want Bobby Briggs... To be a deputy over here. Right, over here. Right, the, the, the whole, that whole sentence, yeah. lock that in. 
Lock that in. All right. Over here. Over here. Ladies and gents, remember this point here. Over here. All right. Um, right. So, so, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's like, are, have you gone mad, Duncan? Anyway. It was no, it will all make sense in the yeah. fullness of time. Yes, of course. Um, this is not this week. Yes. So, uh, at any rate, we uh, while we're there, uh, we also have a really dumb joke with Deputy Andy and a latex glove. Um, and also we have a little bit of furthering of the whole little Nikki thing, which is Lucy. (laughs) Just all we got to do is pay lip service to it. We don't have to linger. Um, is Lucy saying, look, he is not a killer. I'll get to the bottom of this. And I never thought I would say these words, Duncan, but then (laughs) thankfully we cut to James. <laughs> you know, you know, for all, for all we may have disliked or been less enthused for for James in the first ten to eleven episodes of Twin Peaks, he really is the gift that keeps giving these last couple of episodes and the next couple onwards. He really just is like. It's almost to the point that I get excited to see him on the screen. <laughs> I, yeah, I absolutely do. Um, we'll get to it later, but there's a return of an old Twin Peaks favorite. <laughs> and when it happened, I like b- previous viewings, uh, that always made me just like sigh. And this time when I saw it, I cheered, Duncan. I couldn't have been happier. <laughs> so what's James up to? James is working on the Rolls Royce, and always working on that Rolls Royce, working for the man yep. or woman. So uh, he has a brief chit chat with Madame Deadtooth and her husband, and <laughs> not look at the tooth. Must don't, look at the tooth. Don't do it. It you the can't power look of away. The tooth compels you. The power of the tooth compels you. Literally, her tooth is so weird and so wrong that I can imagine Father Karras like throwing fucking holy water on it. Right, the power of crest compels you. <laughs> the power of crest compels you. It's a good joke. Um... <laughs> Your molar cocks in hell. Uh-huh. Um... <laughs> did you see what she did? Your cuspid daughter. <laughs> paid for the show itself oh that's fucking amazing the dentercist that's what you call it i'm writing it copyright copyright bow the dentercist there could be there could, that, there's a movie somewhere in there for a possessed tooth oh man you have to make it happen you have to make it happen oh that is <laughs> the greatest fucking conversation ever like literally ever just, in order to get it you have to swill um, fucking holy water uh huh now spit and pray <laughs> 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 
you. <laughs> oh, go for your Colgate confession. Uh-huh. Oh my God, oh, that's sure. the great. Oh, uh, the opportunity here, Bo. The opportunity. Anyway, we, yeah, man, I've I'm got, dead to it. Oh wait, I've got one more. Here's <laughs> oh, your oh, crucifloss. <laughs> okay, now I'm really done. don't know if you know the Bible, but Jesus Christ was crucified by having his hands tied with floss, dental <laughs> floss, to the cross. <laughs> uh, we'll do it. We'll do it. Um, oh, dear. It's just like this mad priest like, with a pair of pliers pulling the teeth and saying, I cast you back to hell! <laughs> How many times do we have to say this show is an idea machine? An idea fucking factory bo not just one idea that's coming out now they're churning them out mass production writing movies and shit yeah oh tell you what it's almost as good duncan as this scene (laughs) he says artfully bringing it back um so yeah so james is fixing old man marsh's car Mm-hmm. And who is there and reminds me a whole lot of the actor who was, uh, I, I feel terrible. I don't remember his name. He was the brother on the Drew Carey show and was uh, kind of the killer in Zodiac. That dude. Oh, yeah. Um, it's not him, yeah. but it reminds me of him. <laughs> so I'm turning yeah. into my grandfather before like, my eyes. Basically, <laughs> that guy's stunt double shows up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and... Anyway, so he and James are chatting about cars, and he's like, hey, you did a nice job on my car. And he's like, it did look like Laura, but it's pretty good. And he's like, yeah, it seems like you and I share a common interest. And, of course, Madam Deadtooth is there the entire time. And yeah. James is kind of giving her the, the you know blue steel looks. And yeah, yeah, she had a common interest, and behind him, she's just like mouthing like a blowjob, you know, just like fucking shaking fake dicks in her face, just like bukkake <laughs> style, just like like hair blown in the wind with like gallons of fake semen hitting her face, right. um, pouring a milkshake yeah. down her top, you know. <laughs> um, and, and so old man Marsh is like, hey, I'm going to go for a drive in this uh, Rolls Royce you fixed up for me, James. Thanks for doing that. Totally not going to die. Yeah, I'm not going to die. You fixed this car for me. Right. You clearly, in fact, there's paperwork upstairs, strangely, because we normally don't keep paperwork on this stuff, but paperwork upstairs that says you fixed this car for me recently. So yeah. thanks. And he's like, your fingerprints are all over this car. <laughs> right. Yeah. Interestingly enough, earlier on, myself and my wife were having a conversation amongst a large group of people where she mysteriously and for no reason at all mentioned five times out of context in conversation that you have fixed my car. Yeah, she's very attentive like that. Uh, a lot she, of... she bought a plane to write smoke signals in the sky with messages saying, James fixed my car. Um. Yeah really well he did such a good job she wanted to get the word out um she she went to the local planetarium and found a new star when she got the opportunity <laughs> to name james fix my car <laughs> she, 
she wrote a book of poetry <laughs> and had it uh, had it uh, made official by the Library of Congress so there would be forever a record of a book entitled James Hurley Fixed My Rolls Royce. <laughs> The first poem (laughs) is entitled Ode to James Fixing My Rolls Royce. (laughs) She wrote a script for a movie and shopped it to Steven Spielberg, who has just cast Tom Hanks in the role of James, who is fixing my car. Oh, man. What he could do with You Don't Look Like Laura. I mean, the man's an artist. Yeah, uh, gets, <laughs> this episode's fucking amazing already. This is my favourite one. Uh, so I knew this was going to happen. Fuck the two hour limit. Um, James is is all pouty and frowny and all that fucking shit. Right. And um, yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm going. I'm going to drive in my newly fixed car. Thank you, James. I'll tell you what. See when I get back. Me and you will share a cold one. I'll tell you where that secret treasure is buried. I'll also tell you the meaning of life. I know who killed JFK. You're not going to believe how high it goes. <laughs> I've got it right here in my pocket. We'll talk about it when I get back. I know who's winning this year's Super Bowl. We'll bet the house on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, vroom, vroom. Um, off yeah. he goes. I have the cure for cancer and AIDS in my pocket. We'll discuss it when I get back. It's in a, it's in a, it's in my notebook, but in a special code that only I know how to decipher, and you will too, James, when I get back. You know, all right, and then in the most off-screen ass, off-screen <laughs> bullshit, yeah, as Madame Deadtooth is staring off into the middle distance, mm-hmm. you just hear the screech of tires and a crash. Yeah, how fast can it be going for a start? Like and. Not that 17. fast. Yeah. It's it's just ridiculous. It's just... But then again, this is not the greatest... It's the greatest storyline, and what we can do with it is not the greatest storyline, though. Um, so, part of me is like that. Let's move it on, because the writing's on the wall. Everyone can see it, except James. So... Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it, it's frustrating, because... Uh, it, it's so campy that part of me kind of loves this storyline. But yeah. then when you get to the real shit, it's like, ah, this just doesn't belong in this show. No. It's it's a <clears> little <throat> too much. Um, yeah. The, the, it's uh, it's kind of ham-fisted towards the end. But yeah, that happens. Sure. And, and clearly, clearly, the husband is dead. But James, the, the penny hasn't dropped, so James is still waiting. Very much like a dog would wait for his owner, even if his owner died. Um... James is waiting for him to come back. Right, just... <laughs> to keep his promise. <laughs> right. It's... Oh, the Futurama episode, son of a bitch. Every uh, time, man. Oh, every time. So like, good. cartoons should not affect you like that, but every fucking time, man. Yeah. Every time. Yeah, it just... It, it sinks you. Sinks you like a stone, McLeish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also why I'm a cutter. Um... <laughs> So Big Ed and Dr. Hayward uh, are having a chit-chat at the old double R. Mm. And uh, the topic at hand, Duncan, 
is that Nadine is interested in boys now, and Ed's not sure how to deal with it. No, like, what comes out in this story is that Nadine is is riding Ed to within an inch of his life. Like, and Big Ed knows how to handle a woman. And so Ed's basically the only one that can tame the savage beast. Sure. <laughs> uh, that is Nadine's vagina. Um, which is just, it's like a vice clamp. You know what I mean? It's just like once once it gets on that cock, that cock's not getting out until Nadine says so. Um, also, like got like an inbuilt Dyson Hoover. So like, literally, when she gets on top of you, the noises. Yeah, and he's like, ah, and she's like, yeah. I mean, just. Yeah. Like her, oh, she has super tongue strength as well. I would assume. So I would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine. Ed looks like a man who has no semen left. And he does look drained. <laughs> he looks very drained in this scene. And basically, what he's saying is, you know, like Nadine is is interested in dating boys, and he doesn't quite know what to do. And the doc asks if she's active, to which Ed gives a bit of detail um, but like, the doc still doesn't really have any answers at all and you know he's kind of laughing and joking about it and we're like that and you know there is a 30 odd year old woman walking around with an eye patch on with superhuman strength who is now kind of creepily wanting to sleep with what we can imagine is our underage people commit statutory um, rape. Let's just call it yeah, what it is. Yeah. And, and yeah, because of our strength, there's no way they could stop her advances. And the doc's just like, <laughs> you crazy kids. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a worry. But meanwhile, Norma brings big Ed over a little something, but yeah. she brings him over a little extra as well. And the doc's kind of like looking at the two of them going, huh? I see what's going on here. You but, guys aren't even hiding it anymore. Nope. That's okay by Ed. That, yeah, it is. But we also find that Hank's been arrested. Well, and, and we got a piece of that because um, uh, in the scene earlier where they're investigating the uh, the sheriff's station, they do mention that um, Hank, uh, the situation with, with Hank getting beat up, and also the thing with Leo attacking Shelly because Shelly called about that. And that Leo Stein <laughs> vanished into the woods. Uh-huh. Uh, so they had chatted about, but yeah, this was the first point where she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's totally going back to jail. And yeah. since he is, I don't know if you knew that I had a vagina. I <laughs> thought you might want to like- come over and take a look at it sometime. It's like any other day. Yeah, but I've just went. 10 rims with Nadine and my dick sore. <laughs> and yeah, it, yeah we'll, we'll make something out. Actually, he's looking at going, oh, no, ma. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to do it again. Oh, baby. <laughs> oh, no, ma. Ain't looking for nothing but sweet loving. No, ma. I'm big Ed. I'm in charge of a gasoline farm and I got a hard dick. Which was the end of that bit, but you didn't let me sing it last time. You started laughing. Uh, yeah, and I'm quite I, glad I you did because it made the song sound a lot sweeter than what it actually is about. 
which is about uh, the pornographic sex that that they will have over and over again. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's, Let me take you to my gas farm. <coughs> you can I've work got pump. a pump <laughs> waiting for you. Uh, <laughs> Let me service you. Um, <laughs> ding, ding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. This is the sound of Ed orgasming. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think gas stations do that anymore. I think that dates me. Uh, oh, dear. But, yeah, so, like, basically, she's like, I don't know what to do now. And he's like, well, maybe we get a cabin. Maybe we get some some wine, some food. Some venison steaks, he says. Gonna yeah, eat some I'm like, deer. I'm like, yeah, let's 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 do this. We're making a party of it, yeah. um, and it looks like things might actually work out for Ed and Norma. And I'll be honest with you, Bo, I feel happy. I do too. I I genuinely think both of these are good characters. I like them both, and I yeah. you know I'm rooting for both of them. I'm sure it'll all be fine. I'm sure. I'm sure that they will have uninterrupted sex. <laughs> uninterrupted. <laughs> uncreepy perfectly normal sex um yeah no not an eye patch as far as the eye can see or eyes because there's no eye patch nope um, uh nor <laughs> trophies uh eye patches and trophies totally absent from their love mo- making except for a trophy that she gives him later and he's so humble he gives it right back to her yeah. so uh because that's like which is very there. very similar to what happens on dbcc yes Except I don't give Bo back a trophy. No, it, I just... I, I keep them, and then I take photos of them, and I send Bo one a day, every day, saying, I've got something that you don't have. Yeah, it's it's a, a little much at this point, uh, yeah. but because you... To you be honest, I've ran it of outfits trophy. to wear to stand beside it. Um, <laughs> I've, just started, I've just started buying newspapers and holding them up like they're doing kidnap photos, just so you know... <laughs> The yeah. days are actually passing, they're not just bulk photos. Sure. True story. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, <laughs> hey, James. Uh, let's hop over to chat with him. Um, uh, he is uh, in his guest bedroom. Yep, that... leaving on a jet plane. Well, he's packing a jet, to leave. A jet plane. Um, <laughs> he has jet plane. <laughs> And it like this scene had some really great James dialogue. Uh, uh, yeah, this is maybe the the most words that James has uttered in sentences which don't have the words "you," "don't," "look," and "like," and "Laura" as well. Um, he does actually, although he he's still his dialogue is shit. But yeah, he's he's vexed. She just comes wandering in with her fucking dead tooth. And um, just starts raking through his bags, as you do. And he comes out, still kind of shirtless, getting ready to put the shirt on. And he's just like, geez, do you not knock, mum? Yeah, he's like, hello, ladies. (laughs) Lady viewers of Twin Peaks. Oh, I didn't know you were there. Let me just put something on. Yeah, (laughs) what's this? What's that, Mr. Pictorial? (laughs) Yeah. Flex? Well, I don't mind if I do. Boom, boom! Um, well, but she's <laughs> but rolling... He, like, he's packing up. He's getting the fuck out of dodgeball. Yeah. And and she's like, James, James, wherever are you going, James? And he's like, I'm leaving. You guys are weird. <laughs> and 
And you don't look like Laura. None of you look like Laura, and you're weird. Um, <laughs> and and so uh, she's like, "But James, I I love you." And he's like, "I'm gonna go to my bike now," and just like kind of fucks off out of the scene. It's kind of wonderful. Well, uh, she tries. She tries to. She tries to make love to him to seduce and, him, and yes. he knocks her back and her creepy weird tooth. Yeah, he's like, your tooth is weird. Get away. <laughs> I think you eat too much candy. And I think I've got to the bottom of why this relationship won't work. It's all to do with the cavity. Oh, cavity. I get it. Fix your, fix your cavity. Dead tooth, dead tooth, dead tooth, dead tooth, dead tooth. This all goes Basically, back to the dentist. <laughs> basically like she looks in a mirror and realizes that he's written a lipstick on the back of a back of a door dead tooth, dead tooth. <laughs> right right yeah <laughs> he's got tony in his finger <laughs> oh james dead oh tooth. my god dead tooth. What, what would tony if tony was like yeah, tony would be I would feel sorry for Tony if Tony <laughs> like got stuck in James's finger. It'd be like the most, but he'd be constantly trying to show him the shining, like things that could happen, things that he could avoid happening. And James just would not listen. James wouldn't take it in. No, oh, not at all. It's you know, James is in here, Mrs. Torrance. Um, would be pretty great though. <laughs> you don't look like Laura. <laughs> <laughs> but the scene does finish with James storming out in the hut. Yeah, he's he's really built up ahead of steam. Um, but yeah, it's just I'm good. Go. My motorcycle is nice. You're mean. <laughs> um. So. <laughs> go to your motorcycle, James. It looks more like Laura than she does. Um. <laughs> Go go to my bike now. Um <laughs> James, Donna is coming to find you. <laughs> right. Ed is making love with Norma. Who? Nadine is sleeping with you <laughs> sleeping with your schoolmates. No the owls are not what they seem. <laughs> you know No, you're a liar. The major has returned from the other place. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> The White Lodge is a secret place in between worlds. Wait. There's <laughs> one world. Everybody keep telling me that. Agent Dennis is actually Agent Denise. Does Denise look like Laura? <laughs> Little Nicky may have killed his parents. Little Nicky doesn't look like Laura at all. I, I haven't even seen him in the show. <laughs> We don't have any scenes because the director said he didn't want to work with too many kids on the set. Yeah. <laughs> James being one of them. <laughs> right. Anyway. So, yeah, James fucks off. Off James fucks in, into, the, into the day. Um, mm -hmm. And so we go back to uh, the Twin Peaks Sheriff Station for some, uh, some info dump. Yeah, because I'm thinking to myself, wait one second, there's been this really tasty morsel given to us at the beginning of this episode, and that tasty morsel is a little bit of 
pan fried win the meryl i want to sit down and want to enjoy this satisfying bounty on my plate but to do that i need it seasoned seasoned with some information bo seasoned with some information yeah and i i kind of felt like we had most of the information already in this scene we we do because we the certain things we already know before this scene is we know that when the mayor was dale cooper's partner we know that something happened that turned him against him we know that he is a very clever very bright man we know that he likes to play puzzles of sorts uh, because of his intellect particularly chess and we know that he's he's basically coming to to get cooper all we really get is a bit more fleshed out but it's not necessarily changing the dynamic so to speak so and a lot of this to do with we already knew that cooper had had an incident in pittsburgh we knew it involved a woman uh, who wouldn't talk about and all these things now link into one one cohesive story so um cooper and wyndham errol were partners and um, they were on witness protection duty of this woman that cooper fell in love with um, Coop took his eye off the ball though and as a result of that um, she died Windermere was locked up uh, in the funny farm it turns out though Bo, um, the twist here's a, here's a kicker uh, is that the woman that Dale Cooper was in love with was actually Windermere's wife what? I know furthermore if adultery wasn't bad enough, it almost sounds like, the way that Cooper thinks about it, that Windermere was actually responsible for the murder to begin with. Yep. And he may have, may have, played crazy to get out of being a suspect and get locked away, but his time at being crazy for so long has blood the lines, and now he may actually be dun-dun-dun crazy um also he is super intelligent um and super ruthless he knows all police investigation techniques and he is more than just a formidable foe for not only twin peaks but dale cooper well said duncan um that's how you info dump yeah that's pretty good and about as long as the scene quite frankly so, uh, yeah, I think I think I pre- almost verbatim, almost verbatim the entire uh, scene. You would have um, been a great Agent Cooper. Uh, I think so. The only other thing I missed out is that the way she died, Bo, um, was with a knife knife wound that went up through her chest, up at an angle, which cut her aorta. Which, by the way, is how her hitchhiker also ended up dead at the hands, assumedly, of one Wyndham Earl. Yeah. Um. So let's leave that storyline because that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's hop over to Lamesville, <laughs> where apparently Wally's hideout is located. Mm-hmm. And there at Wally's, um, we are chatting with Madame Deadtooth. Donna is there uh, on the hunt for James. Yeah, to bring him his $12. Right, because Ed, you know, last episode. Ed got $12 for him, not out of his bank account, but just out of his wallet. Yeah, found it in his <laughs> back pocket. Yeah. Found it in between the, 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 the couch cushions. Right. Um, 
had had to break the 20 that he had just kind of tucked away for a rainy day. Uh, but yeah, so Donna is going to deliver the money. But it's also uh, on the hunt for uh, information about James. And so she winds up at Wally's where James wanted the money delivered. And there sits Madam Deadtooth. And Donna is asking the bartender, have you seen this guy? And the bartender's like, fuck. And just turns away <laughs> immediately. And it gives her the look, though. And she she comes over, drink in hand, yeah. tooth in mouth. Um, <laughs> so, so I can't help it. It's like every time she's on like that, what is wrong with your mouth? Um, I know. I know. You can't you look away. You could have had it fixed. You could have had it fixed. You were on a movie set, or sorry, on a TV set, which means that you get like health insurance, dental. Get that fixed. Just put a little whiteout on it or something for the shoot, mm-hmm. for God's sake. Anyway, um, but so Madam Deadtooth is like, uh, "Are you looking for a man with a motorcycle?" And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. And then, are you looking for a man with a motorcycle in a seven-word vocabulary? <laughs> and. Then I was like, yeah, that's exactly who I'm looking for. She's like, is his name James? And uh, she's like, yeah, it is. Is he kind of dumb? Yes, yes, he is. She's like, that's who I'm looking for. Let me say the following words and see if it jogs your memory. You don't look like. And she's like, Laura. Yes, it is one and the same. James Hurley. (laughs) <laughs> I do not know why I'm talking like this whilst on the show I do not have this accent but for the, the purposes of entertainment on our podcast this is how I now talk alright you've got a character of your own now well done sir that's wonderful it has only taken me 12 episodes but I am finally here I have arrived yeah it's just the uh, a, a good case of persistence you know. Yeah, you just keep at it, but when eventually, eventually, you wear down your colleague enough that he will let you have it. <laughs> I'll edit it all out. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, but Donna uh, is, is like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you do you know him? And I was so hoping that you would be like, no. Um, <laughs> Because I always like it when someone describes someone to a T as like never seen him. Um, you mention his name. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> James uh, Hurley yeah. um and <laughs> <laughs> um uh but Donna is is uh, is like well where is he and she's like uh he's gone somewhere else he mentioned the ocean yeah, by the way he fixed my dead husband's car the car he died in um incidentally uh I had a star named after James fixing my car. I published some poetry. <laughs> I um, I optioned the rights to a movie, which Steven Spielberg has now made, starring Tom Hanks as James Hurley fixing my husband's car. Wow, that sounds good. He's very talented. <laughs> this all happened in the three days he's been away from Twin Peaks. Right. Heads up. James moves fast. Uh, but so then we cut away from these two kittens. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> Saucer of Milk Table 3. But we get a shot of James. Like, here's your calendar shot, McLeish. Um, mm-hmm. It's James, like, sitting on the ground by his motorcycle as the Just You and I song plays. And this was the uh, point where I, I just raised a fist in victory. Yep. As I was and like... All this all this time, Bo, we thought that song was maybe about his lost love, Laura, or maybe his, his infatuation with Maddie, or maybe his true, true love, Donna. It turns out that song is about James and his bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's sort of like the end of Cheers when Sam realizes the love of his life is the bar. It's that level of like emotional connection. Um, yep. Uh, I should watch the the last episode of Tears again. It's really good. Um, your way in the world today takes everything you got. Take Taking a break from all your worries sure would help, help a lot. lot. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Boom, boom, boom. And they're always glad you came. I don't want to be. I'm not doing that. Let's let's go back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You want to be where you can see people are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Okay. (laughs) That is also in uh, Madame Dead Two's book of poetry. As that was chapter two. Yeah. Um, Chapter three is what the fuck is going on with this tooth? Yeah. (laughs) And how do I fix it? No one. No one notices. Someone call me. Dent Texorcist. A dentorcist. <laughs> a dentorcist. Please. <laughs> Cut to Father Keris finding like some small tooth shaped object in a fucking pyramid in Egypt. Yeah, just <laughs> you know, and him holding they a little call statue him of a bad t- tooth. <laughs> we call him Tasuzu. But two tooth. Oh dear! You don't you don't do an exorcist. You do an incisorcist. Mm, that's it. That's it's not exactly the dentorcist. It's the incisorcist. It's the incisorcist. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Feels good, Duncan. Feels good. Feels like we could just roll up the tents right now. Uh, I feel like we've given everybody the show they need. Um, <laughs> Didn't ask for it, but they're getting it. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. You sexy, perverted little shits. Oh God. I really, I really like it when you wear that. Um, <laughs> listeners, just I'm just slightly unimpressed that the cuffs don't match the collar. <laughs> Is that because <laughs> here it's carpet and drapes? Yeah, it's, it's cuffs and collar here. All right, cuffs and collar. All right, as, as, as Britain, we don't use the word drapes over here. So, this is probably why the silent drape runners failed. Yeah, and it would never have. Well, it would have been fine in America. I just wouldn't have sold over here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the hell are we in this show? Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> so James uh, does the just you and I. Okay. So Ben Horn, Bulls uh, fist pump in the air, loving it, loving it, loving it. Duncan, feel. Oh man. So um, Ben Horn is uh, all crazy pants still, and bananas. Brother, yeah. Uh, Jerry is there, brother Jerry, 
is getting a, a, a close-up double barrel look at uh, Ben Horn's nuttiness. Yeah, uh, meanwhile, being observed by one Dr. Jacoby, who is fucking loving it. Having a ball, Duncan. Dr. He's Jacoby like, is awesome in this scene. Yeah, Dr. Jacoby's like, look at me sitting here with my weird glasses, my eccentric haircut, my weird book that I'm writing notes in, and I'm looking down right now, and I'll tell you one thing, I'm not the craziest thing in this scene. I'm loving it. <laughs> Dr. Jacoby rolls, motherfuckers. I'm a pimp-ass player. Um, and, yeah, he's he's basically... He's of the opinion that Ben Horn is trying to change the outcome of uh, the Civil War. And he thinks that if he succeeds in his fantasies or delusions, that the writing of or the changing of that will mark the change of the the sorrows that Ben is currently having. And to ride this out would result in Ben's return of sanity. Maybe. (laughs) It's unconventional, Bo. Um, Yeah, it's kind of the equivalent of like when somebody gets conked on the head with a coconut and they think (laughs) they're somebody else. And then you conk them on the head with a coconut again and they're okay. It's I, I kind of like how the fact that we're talking about Jacoby's like weird practices in medicine and the fact that you're equating that to coconuts because we do know that Jacoby loves a coconut. Well, it's known as the Jacoby Maneuver. <laughs> the Jacoby Maneuver. <laughs> oh, number one. Execute Jacoby Maneuver. Yeah. yeah. What or what speed? Yeah. Conk. Oh. <laughs> Oh, number one. I think I'm number one. Um, <laughs> Mr. Data, pass me your furry coconuts. Oh, sir. What? You know that's smooth. <laughs> He's an android. Why on earth? You might make him anatomically correct, but are you going to just poke pubes into that plastic? I kind of... He's not I a kinda... real doll, for God's sakes. Yeah, but I kind of thought we could double it up as, like, some steel wool or washing dishes. <laughs> some steel wool. You know what I mean? Uh, why on uh All right, well, yeah. I mean... It's just, like, it's just him teabagging dishes to clean them. <laughs> he is now a pleasure bot for a very specific kind of person. Yeah, um, he's a, he can be your naked waiter or housekeeper. Just going around, like, putting his balls and things. Seems like a waste of an android to me, but, you know, what do I yes. know? Um, buff with my balls, ball, buff with the balls. <laughs> you want to see his wax on, wax off technique. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I, well, I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so Jacoby is like, yeah, we we got to let him go through with this. And uh, then we hop over to the sheriff's station where um, Major Briggs shows up and uh, is like, Lucy, is everybody... Back there, I'm gonna pass out on the floor, and then <laughs> passes out on the floor. Yeah, and then just falls right over like a sack <laughs> of potatoes. And um, so they they bring uh, the major too, and he he basically says, um, "Oh, they're all drinking water, right?" And the one thing I love about Twin Peaks is that anything can be the tastiest, most delicious, refreshing thing ever in the show, including three characters all drinking glasses of water at the same time and finishing at the same time and you have Lucy asking if anyone else wants a refill and all of them say no because they're satisfied with the water they've drank 
just great. It's we yeah. it's weird as shit, but it just works. Yeah. Uh and well, and this is kind of one of the wonderful weird Twin Peaks moments for me. Mm-hmm. Of like the major has come to them because uh as he puts it, uh the people searching for the White Lodge may not be ideologically pure. And uh, that basically he's like, I'm just letting you know that I'm, I'm going to be looking into this and I'm going to be in the shadows if you need me. Yeah. It basically says that he thinks that's where he went, but he has no recollection of what happened when he was there. And he's going to continue his investigation in the shadows. So you may see him from time to time, but don't go looking for him every episode. Right. Um, which is disappointing because that's one of the cooler things going on. One of the best characters in it right now. Yeah. And like, like just a couple of episodes ago, he sat upon a, a fucking throne of stone. It's like one of the coolest scenes ever. One of the coolest single shot scenes in Twin Peaks ever is the major sitting upon a throne of stone. Yeah. It, it It's in a weird way. It is very true detective. Um, it's, so true detective is unbelievable once again like we say this all these shows all these shows all these people are like i didn't really like twin peaks it was kind of goofy and it didn't you know everyone says it's such an influential tv show i don't know what they're saying because tv's not like well fucking it is right and all those shows need to pay lip service to twin peaks kneel before the throne of stone um yeah and so like him talking about having been to the white lodge and the fact that you know we know that there's this military uh organization looking into the white lodge and and actively hunting for it and that they may want to do something maybe not so great with the white lodge exploit it to their advantage mm-hmm. and uh and major briggs he doesn't roll like that he is philosophically pure it is it is about knowledge it is about learning it is about the experience of it and um so anyway off he fucks because why (laughs) why do cool shit and Mm -hmm. instead we uh roll out of the office uh to go to the next room over where the widow milford uh little hotski mctotski um is being questioned by dr jacoby who's just loving this episode he's one he is if not one of, or if if not the best thing about this whole episode, because every scene he's in, he's a fucking delight. Uh, yeah. He's one of the best things about it. Um, so, he's like, wait one second, solve that Laura Palmer case? Is Jacoba's time to shine? I'm the new Laura. Um, <laughs> I'm the new Laura. <laughs> but yeah. It's a hideous, hideous thought. But yeah, he's in there giving her the once over. Um, well, when they. So to speak. Yeah, when they come in, he gives this description of her that's like... In a, front a, of her. Right. She's just quietly smiling as if to, you know, give her implicit agreement that all he says is true. But the way he describes it is like she is... Um, she has been versed in... Uh, what is it? Mind, body, and spirit all geared towards a specific sexuality uh, that she... Like, men can't really handle her. Very few men have tasted her, and very few can keep up. You know, that she is just this sexual being 
Uh, and all the guys are like, she looks all right. I'd probably <laughs> yeah. take a spin. Um, yeah, Dr. Jacoby, like, instantly becomes Austin Powers after them freezing processes of it. I bet she shags like a minx. <laughs> right. Well, and he's kind of putting the moves on her, like, because I don't think they fucked in the office. Because I think you would have heard it if she's that that kind of lady. Um, but I think he is very specifically thinking, you know what? M- you know, Hawaiian wife or no, Dr. Jacoby has been waiting his whole life for this. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and it's about to happen. Mm. But he is interrupted, Duncan. <laughs> yes. Coitus interruptus. Yeah. The one of the uh biggest cock blocks you can uh can make is to show up with a gun. Uh yeah. Being like, I'm gonna kill her. Because all right, so <laughs> the the brother Milford shows shows the up mayor. with a gun. The mayor. Um because he thinks she killed him with her sex. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like that's what happened. I think that's what yeah. Do- Dr. Jacoby basically says like she fucked him to death and they're all like hmm nice that's how I want to go I don't know about you guys anyone else fucked to death fucked to death Hawk can I get a yep fucked to death and yeah and Agent Hawk is on the scene for this um yeah but before any of our heroes can get a taste uh can get it wet um I know it's terrible like a fucking Horrible Twin Peaks train. <laughs> um, Just, oh. Oh. Horrible or beautiful, Duncan? You, uh, you d- decide. It, it depends. It depends who's at the end of that train. Denise Bryson. Then yes, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Um, <laughs> agreed. Uh, so at any rate, let's get through this real quick because this is all stupid and and takes longer than it's it a should. nonsense scene. He shows up with a shotgun. Right, shows up with the shotgun. Uh, Dr. Jacoby kind of talks him down a little bit and is, is like, hey, we're going to put them in a room together and they're going to work this out. And uh, we'll cut to commercial. We come back from commercial because <laughs> uh, we got it. You know, we got a cliffhanger of a scene here. Oh, uh, yeah. And <laughs> so we come back and uh, um, they're like, you know, guns held high. They're like, all right, we're busting in. We could be in some trouble here, guys, because no one could possibly be expecting a stupid joke to be behind this door. No one. And except for Hawk, who's like, yeah, this is going to be dumb. Do you want look? Yeah. Let, me, let me just kick in the door. Uh, let me do that much. And anyway, so they kick in the door and there's the mayor uh, with uh, Hotsky McTotsky on his lap, uh, leaving cartoon lipstick marks on his face. Yeah, she's licking his forehead like a dried out cashew nut. <laughs> like a cassava. <laughs> like a desiccated apple. <laughs> like a prune that was accidentally sun dried. Yeah. Um, like a fossilized lizard. <laughs> And it's just the dumbest shit. Like this scene has no, and and like the the mayor is like, oh, it's just a big misunderstanding. 
I'm going to yeah. go die like my brother did between the legs of a seven. Um, no, that's <laughs> terrible. She is easily. She is beautiful. It was a dumb joke. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, we get a reveal now because we're cutting over to uh, the, the sawmill. And Pete Martell is, uh, uh, talk about hot dogs or something. I don't know. It's hard to take Pete seriously anymore. Although he's got a moment <laughs> coming up that is all right. Um, and anyway, they're like, hey, remember uh, my brother, Andrew? And he's like, uh-huh. And it's like, well, look, here he is. And uh, it's like, oh, yeah, right. He showed up in an episode. And then I totally forgot that he was a thing. Um, but they kind of talk about um, this Thomas Eckert fella. Yeah, this na- this name gets dropped about ten times in this scene, just to remind us all of something that's never really been mentioned in this show before. Right, like this is the guy who is probably behind the attempted murder of Andrew. Yeah, it's it's really it's the, these are the sort of things that kind of frustrate me about this show. Because his name's mentioned, and then there is an info dump of this information, which Pete would be aware of. Like, Pete's been married to Catherine for God knows how long, clearly knows Andrew very well. You would know who Thomas Eckhart is, the name would have come up before, all these sort of things, but Pete's oblivious to it all, so we get this information out. You know, he handled the... You know, um, he handled the the Hong Kong side of things, and, you know... um, Andrew handled the the lumberjack side of things, which is just a once again, how does that business work? You know what I mean? Is lumber being shipped from Twin Peaks to China? Don't think so. China, China, um, China, 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 China. Um, <laughs> you know, is it being shipped over there? I don't think so. So there's obviously something else been happening in the background, but then. Like the reveal, <laughs> the worst reveal ever. You like, you know, you know, and uh, Josie was working for Thomas, and Pete seems confused about this. Really, the man that you've just found out who has ran the business from Hong Kong may have employed an Asian woman. Come on to fuck Pete Martell. Come on to fuck. Um, it's just a shite scene, and the only way this scene could ever be saved. As if the reveal of Thomas Eckhart delivered us one of the great characters from The Omen. Yes, uh, and it most certainly does, Duncan. That's what I want, that's what I want to hear, Bo. Tell me all about it. So we go back to the Great Northern, and uh, there is a handsome woman. Um, <laughs> laughing at. Um, <laughs> you know what you did. <laughs> you know should... what you did. I don't, I don't need to say it. Checking in um, at, at the Great Northern on behalf of one Thomas Eckhart. And as soon as uh, the guy behind the counter is like, hey, here's your keys right here. You need some help with the bags. And uh, then we get a, that won't be necessary. And you do it because you're actually from that country. <laughs> it says it won't be necessary. 
and the camera pans round, and there is David fucking Warner looking like um, an extra from an AHA music video from 1987. Um, and this, like, pair of sunglasses, indoors at night, by the way, standing in front of a fire, wearing a suit, a long overcoat, and a white scarf, which is meticulously round his neck and hanging down. And I'm like that. I have just remembered that David Warner is a character in this show. How the fuck did I forget that? And that is legitimately what it was like when I saw that. I was like, David Warner's in Twin Peaks? Yeah. Totally forgot that he was in this. I, I, I totally did too, because I was actually kind of kind of chatting on the Facebooks as I was watching this episode, Duncan. I'm not going to lie. Uh, this episode did not necessarily hold my attention 100%. <laughs> 100% After the song of the you time. checked out, didn't you? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. There was uh, like, there was a fair peak. amount of this whole business with uh, the the widow Milford that I just didn't give a shit about. Yeah. Uh, and but anyway, I actually <laughs> I actually responded with, "Well, hey there, David Warner. Welcome to the show." And it was such <laughs> a delight. It was like, "Oh yeah, right. Okay, things are going to be yeah. all right." Totally um, forgot. Totally forgot that he was in this. Um, and I did, I got excited. I really like David Warner as an actor. I think he's very, 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 uh, I think he's very good. I think he's also, I've seen him in many different roles. And he still acts, which is pretty cool. He was in, uh, last year he did one episode of Inside Number Nine, which is probably one of the funniest uh, kind of horror comedy episodes of TV I've ever seen. God, and mostly that, down yeah. to him. You need to watch my eyes. Fucking hilarious. It's like a Salem witch trail. And, and uh, is the, he the witchmaster general kind of guy? He's not. He's the the kind of the elected leader of the town. Where oh, the, okay. the, the, the two, um, the, basically the, the witchmaster or the witchfinder general and the, the advocate for the defense both make their cases and, um, He's a bit of a, like, David Warner, like, a bit of a pervert in it. So every time he sees these torture contraptions being pulled out, he's like, oh, what does that do? And they're like, wait, right. there's one of the greatest scenes ever like that. We we put this up the rectum. It's like this bulb, but we put this up the rectum, and we open it until the until the, the person feels, and he goes, ecstasy. And they're like, no, agony. And he's like, yes, agony. <laughs> It's fucking amazing. I need to watch it. It's the greatest thing ever. So yeah, but David Warner's in this, yeah. and I'm I'm once again interested, excited because I watch David Warner in pretty much anything. So uh, we immediately cut away, of course. Yeah, because fuck Duncan, fuck Bo. Right. This isn't your show. You're just talking about it. Right. Cunts. Instead, we are going to uh, get a little bit of information between uh, Sheriff Truman. And Agent Cooper, in that uh, they've uh, identified a a man that fits the description of of Mister Lee, um, dead, and uh, what three three in the back of the head. So it mm-hmm. it could be that uh, Josie is involved, and um, yeah, so a little bit of that, and then we have Doctor Hayward show up. To fingers crossed, put an end to this whole fucking storyline. Because he shows up to uh, talk to Dick Tremaine and Deputy Andy and Lucy. 
Uh, and first of all, uh, our, our friend Dr. Hayward just had to be like, the fuck am I doing in this scene? I don't belong <laughs> with any of these characters, but here we are. And so anyway, little Nikki is not, in fact, a murderer, uh, but like his mother died when he was being buried and the mother got buried in Potter's field and little Dickie went to the orphanage and like, it's just like, he's a, a victim of the, of the state, you know, just yeah. constantly being tossed around from home to home and, and, and stuff like that. He's and, not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Right. He is, uh, he is kind of the boring seed as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and all right question time Uh-oh. let's uh throw this in um so one richard schmidt acts acts as us um or as i like to call him florida bow <laughs> florida bow is pretty good um <laughs> i don't it, like his editing is far better than mine so he is a pretty good editor, yeah. There, like that, it, I will digress yet again. But uh, that "Hello, uh, this is the Doom Show" uh, makes me laugh every damn time, and it's because the editing is really fun in parts. Um, mm-hmm. Not just because, but uh, that always makes me laugh. Anyway, so he says, discuss your feelings on the lack of a Little Nicky spinoff series. Um, you know, thank Christ. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got to think. I've got to think that it maybe came up in conversation, and I'm I'm just going to say that whoever came up with that conversation probably died a horrible death. I'm going to say AIDS, maybe. Um, yeah, it, 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 this to me of all the storylines that happen after Laura Palmer's death in the immediate aftermath uh, this is the most tawdry one out of the lot because it serves no purpose at all Um, it doesn't prove anything it doesn't make Andy a better parent uh, and Isa Lucy certainly only facilitates more Dick Tremaine who is like a waste of skin character on this show Um, and we don't need little Nicky in this show as, as such a fucking waste of space um, so yeah I know he was being funny when he wrote that but no Richard you're bad you're a bad man take yeah. a look at what you did uh, anyway so yeah. let's bail out of that scene and get to James and Madam Deadtooth because uh, <laughs> James is for realsies I'm leaving this time and... yeah he's, he's, he's tried to leave about seven times but <laughs> right. um he keeps he keeps passing like a shiny penny and picking it up and then forgetting what he was going to do and then going back upstairs and getting another shower and then coming back out appropriately timed to the point that the camera comes back on in his room so the audience can see his glistening hard torso and then um, he gets dressed and then he realizes that he can't get dressed because all his clothes are packed and on the bed and he remembers that's right I'm leaving so he gets himself dressed you know gets his bags all grouped together goes downstairs to fix his bike hears his song play again goes back in to get his bags because his bike is now primed and then finds another shiny penny on the ground lifts that penny up decides that the penny's 
dirty, his hands are dirty, and needs to go for a shower, goes for a shower, comes back out just as the camera's on him, uh, you know, covering his glistening hard body, and he goes to get dressed, but wait one second, his clothes are packed, because that's right, he's packed his clothes because he's leaving, and it is an infinity loop, uh-huh. we're stuck forever in, in this nonsense thing, and then finally, Dead Tooth comes back and breaks the loop. <laughs> right, and it's like, oh, you, leave, you do it. <laughs> oh, James, are you leaving again so soon? I thought that maybe you'd like to stay and make love to me on my bed. It's going to become a cross between... There's a bit of Agent Smith in there. Uh-huh, a little bit. Yeah. Oh, oh James, uh, I want you to make rigorous love to me and also take out your landlady's garbage. And... And he's like, I don't want to. I'm going to go now. And then... Because like, basically she says, you know, do you, is it making you feel weird or uncomfortable? Um, and James doesn't know what the words weird or uncomfortable mean. Because that's right. how James makes everyone else feel. Um, so he's never felt it himself. He doesn't know what that feels like. Uh, so... <laughs> um, and he's like, yeah, it's not, not good. Yeah, and once again, she tries the whole but I love you uh, thing. And that doesn't look like it's going to work this time. Right. And then in the distance, Bo, we hear the police coming to arrest this scene. 5 uh, for flashing the blues for James. Yeah, the, the police are coming to arrest the scene and everyone that wrote it. Um, and <laughs> they come, they come piling in. And she, at this point, breaks character. And she's like, that, like James, the show does not need me beyond another episode or two but it needs you for some reason uh, to continue on to the end of the season and maybe your character will get a prequel right, well, movie it's or so, be in the sequel it's so <laughs> it's fucked up that this character even shows back up in my mind because there is, is kind of a go ahead James I'm releasing you from this storyline and it yeah, was like a I, way out for the writers yeah it's like uh, it's actually one of the more head scratching moments. Is that basically she's like, "Go, you know, your 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 friend Donna's outside. Go go with the woman that you know you love, or some shit like that." And James is clueless, right? Like literally clueless. All he knows is much like uh, Leo Stein earlier on, flashing lights and noises are bad. Um, and he he makes a beeline for the trees, bumps into Donna, and and he's still looking at the fucking police and she's trying to grab him away and she runs out and we assume that she's going to confess maybe she's seen the light or maybe she's going to blame fucking what's his face uh, another good what's, he, what's the other guy's name because you've got a great impression oh uh Mal- oh god what's his last name it's Malcolm Sloan Sloan Malcolm Sloan so we think maybe she's going to turn him in or something but that's not what we get at all, and I can't remember if we revisit this at all in this episode. I don't think we do. Yeah, and the, the next d- episode. Yeah. But why this story comes back is beyond me. But the way they try and play it is just not good, Bo. No, it's it's so bad. Like like I said, she said the words "You're free, James," and like you know, again, like Leo Stein. Um, he was just like, <laughs> and rushed out. Uh, and fortunately, Donna was there to corral him. He was like, Hey, you're the one who doesn't look like Laura, but you're the nicest who doesn't look like Laura. And 
and she's like, I know James, come to me. Um, and <laughs> she leaves Reese's pieces. Um, <laughs> like, mm. um, <laughs> you don't taste like Laura. Laura. You don't taste like Laura. Right. You don't taste like Laura. You don't taste like Laura. It tastes like peanut butter. Laura Laura tasted like cigarettes. Um <laughs> cigarettes and semen. All right. Father semen. It was, and something else that was salty. <laughs> I liked it. Um <laughs> tasted of cigarettes in Leland. Um, oh. <laughs> which is the name of Laura Palmer's secret diary. Oh, the well. secret name of Laura Palmer's secret the diary. The secret name of, of Laura Palmer's secret diary. Yeah, it's oh. cigarettes in Leland. <laughs> That's also a Jim Jarmusch film. It is. It's a great one. It stars Tilda Swindon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. She's phenomenal. That guy is an artist. I don't care what, what you say. Love him or hate him. The guy's an artist. Um, Ghost Dog. Ghost Dog is... That movie on is this show. fucking amazing. One day on this show... When we're not doing Twin Peaks, which means maybe 2018. 2018. Um, yeah, 2019, possibly. Uh, we should do Ghost Dog. Yeah. Just just have us gush over how great Ghost Dog is. Like, legitimately one of the most underrated movies ever made. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. It, I think it's Jarmusch's best movie. I would, I would agree with that. And I, I love quite a lot of Jarmusch, but that one to me is... That's before Forrest Whitaker kind of starts to make like a bit of a like a bit of a bigger name for himself. Certainly before something like The King of Scotland and and stuff like that. Um, but that movie just does everything right. It, it mashes, you know, kind of Japanese samurai movie styles with hip hop with the rhythm. Um, yeah, and then the mafia and <laughs> the fact that you have like. <laughs> Oh, and pigeons, my, lots of pigeons. <laughs> Get the fucking pigeons! And the fact it's got there is a scene. Oh, it's the greatest scene ever! It just makes me laugh every single time with the three mob bosses sitting together. This is a tangent, but it's fucking amazing. And um, he's like that. He's like, and and what is this assassin's name? He's like that. You know, it goes by name Ghost Dog, and the guy goes what? He said the ghost dog. The guy's like, "There we go, ghost dog." He goes, "Yeah, all the yeah, all these rappers have got names, you know, like Flavor Flav, Funky Flash Fresh from the back of reality." <laughs> it's like he starts with the raps, but the the, the, guy, the guy at the back is kind of sitting there with a, a kind of long face, and he's like, "Yeah, they've all got like names, like you know, running running stream, broken branch, and he goes like that black elk, and then in nowhere he goes." <laughs> so weird so good so fucking weird so weird so amazing yeah. that movie so amazing the fact that you have a fucking ice cream man that just speaks French mm-hmm. in the movie just, just, yeah. like, just that's what he does he speaks French yeah and, and Rashomon's a really good book by the way I highly recommend I watch the movie as well um, but the fact that Rashomon gets referenced in that many, many times. Uh, ghost Dog, Bo. More Ghost Dog, less fucking Dead Tooth. All right. Uh, well, well, Dead you... Tooth could be a character in Ghost Dog. Dead Tooth could, absolutely. Like, that should be Ghost Dog 2's nemesis. 
is dead too. <laughs> um, I would love it. Oh fuck! Would you? <laughs> could you imagine? I, I did. I. You just got so excited there. <laughs> could you imagine? Because they're both kind of in a place to do it. Where Jarmusch and Whitaker did a Ghost Dog two. Oh. But, um, it would be difficult. Well, of course it would, but it's jarring. <laughs> but not Fucking impossible, do it. right? Not impossible, right? Uh, just yeah. To, I mean, I you know, spoilers, but just be like the end didn't happen. Yeah, the, or, or yeah, the end didn't happen, or, or this is a prequel with an older, fatter ghost dog. Yeah, you could do anything you want with this one. Yeah, you, you could literally be in a position where, yeah, you know. At the end of that movie, he did look like he's dead, but he wasn't. He faked his death like he did before, and now he operates in a completely different city doing something. Yeah, I, I would love that. Or maybe he's in Japan. Right. I mean, whatever. Whatever. <sighs> I just want them doing more Ghost Dog, and I want Riza back to do the score. And Ghost Dog, the TV show. Oh, my God. In this day and age, you could fucking do that. Yeah. You could do that. Ghost Dog, the TV show, is what fucking... What's his face should have been? Ah, uh, uh, the the superhero show on Netflix, the urban one, which I didn't like. The urban one. Yeah. Are you talking about it. Luke Cage? Yeah, Luke Cage should have been Ghost Dog. Yeah, I can get behind that. I said it. I, I would. Yeah, Luke Cage was not very good. I I I, I, I didn't watch that one. No, it's worth skipping. It's, yeah. it's not as good as Daredevil was better. I've not watched Iron Fist yet. Um, I, I heard that was bad. I haven't, I haven't yeah, watched that Yeah, this either. is all tangential conversations. But yeah, Ghost Dog, the real deal. If you've taken one thing away from this episode, it's how amazing me and Bo are at making up new movies um, mm-hmm. <laughs> for 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 the, the Incisorcist, uh, which is a, a possessed tooth story. And we have also come to the conclusion, to, not that we need to, that every member that's listening to this show needs to go and check it. But for the next episode, peeps that we're recording in about a week's time, find a copy of Ghost Dog, watch it, and instead of submitting us questions, just submit us comments telling how fucking amazing Ghost Dog is. Yep. I'll tell you what, uh, the best Ghost Dog review uh, gets gets at least partially read. It depends on how long it is. I'll, yeah, I'll give some yeah. highlights. Um, yeah. So this episode ends, Duncan. It's kind done. of as, as we mentioned before with uh, Wendem Earl um, seeing <laughs> Leo Stein. Bar of soul. Good girl. Bad girl. <laughs> We have uh, Wyndham Earl basically saying, my name is Wyndham, Wyndham Earl, and he's sitting at his creepy chess table, lightning's crashing outside, um, lightning scares Leo Stein, who's like, Yeah, he (laughs) shakes his claw at it, (laughs) and uh, yeah, this episode finishes, what do... uh, what do we take away from this episode? Is not a great episode. No, at all. there is some, there is some, there are some interesting things in this episode. Um, what this episode doesn't have um, really is much in the way of overall substance. It's kind of a lot of let's continue, let's try and 
close out some storylines that we've been running for a while, but the really interesting stuff is at the backdrop all the way through this episode, and it's being pushed at a snail's pace, um, which is very frustrating. At least we got rid of the mayor story. Yeah, um, but you know we'll see in, in this next episode that they just can't stop Duncan. Uh, we have to bring it back. Right, we have to bring back a storyline that we could have just killed. We could have stepped on its neck and put a bullet in its head. And just we let when it I thought it was out, boy, they pulled it back in. Oh, boy, do I hear you. Um, <laughs> it's weird that that line encompasses how I feel about watching Godfather 3. <laughs> um, it's not very good. It's not. Sorry. Oh no! Compared to the first two, it's not. Yeah, the last forty minutes. Still, is, it's still a pretty good movie, though. It, it Andy Garcia is real entertaining in it. <laughs> um. Anyway, what was the point of that? Yeah, that this episode's pretty much done, uh, and that they they do keep bringing back some of these storylines that could have been over as of uh, this episode, but unfortunately, um, we're gonna see them. Uh, curl their tentacles into later episodes. Duncan, this next episode here uh, is entitled uh, Slaves and Masters. Mm. It is written by Harley Payton and Robert Ingalls, names that you should be familiar with if if you're listening to this show. Uh, If you are, um, you know, I think you have questions to ask yourself. Um, (laughs) It is directed by one Diane Keaton. I did know this, and I double. I had to do a double take. Yeah, so you know, baby booms. Was that right? Uh, Diane Keaton, actually Annie Hall. Uh-huh. What is she? God, she's been in everything. Um, yeah, Father of the Bride. Yeah, well, I mean, Father of the Bride. Speak, too. <laughs> speaking of the Godfather. Yeah, fuck. Right, she was K, K. Um. Ask me anything, Kay. Not about my family. Kay. <laughs> anyway. Um, I like early Pacino voice. Because um, <laughs> everybody now does the, you know. Hoo-ah! Yeah. Take a flamethrower to this place. Ah, it's easy. You got to go deep cuts. Dog day afternoon. Um, anyway. Because she's got a great ass. Um. <laughs> I, it's hard for me to watch Pacino at this point. He has become almost a caricature of himself. Is uh, it any any harder than watching fucking De Niro? No, no. A, a I, series of fucking horrible comedy roles that he's not supposed to be doing. Although I will say it, Scorsese, Pacino, De Niro, Pesci, The Irishman, coming to Netflix next year. Okay, I'm in. I'm totally in. Yeah, yeah, that's, that sounds fine. That sounds like something that they might care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and honestly, Scorsese hasn't slowed down. He's doing just fine. No, Sc- uh, Scorsese just keeps churning the gold. Yeah. So. He'll be he'll be doing it till he dies. Um, Much like us with this show. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, let's, let's interject here the final question of the evening, which is oh. less a question than a general concept. Um, mm-hmm. philosophy discuss, uh, no, it is, uh, Joseph Petruziello asking us to discuss our awe of the greatness that is Wendemerle since we left him 
last episode and um that is going to happen again pretty soon um so i don't know what do we think about Wendy Merle? i like as like this is a villain that has been built up for some time on this show for sure yes um are we say are we taking this episode into account the one we're about to solve? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't necessarily have to talk in detail about that stuff, but you know, we like yes, he's a master of disguise. Uh, he's a master of disguise, and he's clearly crazy. Right, he is one hundred percent Looney Tunes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think he's a I, I, he's a great villain. He he's a great. Uh, you know, nemesis for Agent Cooper. Um, he's the opposite of Cooper, right? Yeah, right. He's got, he, share, he shares the same intellect, but he doesn't share the kind of rational reason. You know what I mean? He, he is he's more the chaos to Cooper's stability. He's Agent uh, Cooper's well, Joker. He is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so... I don't know, Master Dale. Some people just want to see the world, but... <laughs> Oh, I love it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Michael Caine, you're not in this episode. Fuck off. And off he fucks. But I'm in everything. Um, I'm in everything, Master Wayne. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Man, Michael Caine is a national treasure. You ever seen Harry Brown? Um... Is that's the revenge movie, right? That he did. Yeah, but he's the old man, and his friend dies at the uh, hands of thugs. I have. Is it really? It sounds good. Really fucking. It's like Taken, but if a pensioner was doing it. Oh, that does sound good, especially because it's it's Michael Caine. Oh, he's he's phenomenal in it. He's like really, 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 really good in it. It's a very stripped back movie. Highly recommend. Check out Harry Brown. All right. Well, you know, I've got Ghost Dog first though. Ghost Dog, and of course, Ouija Experiment too. Um, no, and, and, and the fact that that even popped up on your Facebook page, you upset me. I keep telling you, there are so many that watched. There are so many worthwhile pursuits out there. Stop fucking watching shite. <laughs> stop watching. <laughs> stop watching things that you know will be bad. Right, but part of me enjoys that. Not yeah, the, but not there the are good things you, as well. Yeah, I, you're, good right, things. you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, you're right. You're 100% See, when you exhaust right. yourself of the good things, then watch the bad things. Right. I still haven't seen. Neon Demon yet. You are totally... The thing is, you are like... Right now, you're doing what my wife does when I'm asking her to remember to do something. And she's like, right, right, right. And I know for a fact that this time next week, when I ask you what you've done, you're going to tell me you've watched Ouija Experiment 2. All right, I'm, I'm going to try not to. You see that... No, <laughs> uh, anyway... I know how this conversation's going to go. Uh, the conversation's going to go with me sighing when you tell me you've watched it, me asking you how, how it is, and you just going, that's not a good movie. I, I, I know, I know. Yeah. I, I just won't tell you. Um, you will tell me. I'll see it on Facebook. You're right, you're right. So, anyway, back to this Diane, Diane Keaton, the Godfather's Diane Keaton's, mm-hmm. uh, Anyway, she directed this particular episode, and it begins with the lovely uh, Evelyn Marsh. Actually, it, it kind of starts with uh, a look at a chessboard, 
but yep. eh, that doesn't have nothing to do with nothing right now. It's just sort of like, nothing. hey, remember chess? That's important to another storyline. <laughs> and <laughs> it's like, look at this chessboard because next scene. Right, right. And then it's um, like Lady Marsh, uh, <laughs> Madame Deadtooth in her funereal garb. Which is a little sexy. Like, sexy funeral outfits always skeeve me out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's very sexy. It's even sexier when she closes her mouth. <laughs> well, I mean, but when she opens it, it's just like, you're laser focused on her. You can't look at anything else in the room. Yeah, when she opens her mouth, like, you hear people gasp and someone scream. Right, the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> or that noise that Mrs. White makes in that one scene in uh, Clue where she goes yeah, that would yeah be that's good. the noise you make is because in, intake of breath and trying to scream at the same time that's how it goes uh, Yeah, but yeah I know what you mean there is something weird about that there is something weird about the con- like connotation of death and sex right like I mean I guess it works for a television show but you know just don't do it in real life Ladies or fellas, um, <laughs> we're looking at ladies. Ladies really have the power in that, right? Well, but like a guy could wear like a mesh shirt to a funeral, <laughs> uh, and you'd be like, "That's too much. That is not what this occasion calls for." <laughs> like if you're in a Palm Beach bar, sure. <laughs> wearing a mesh shirt and drinking a pina colada, <laughs> right? And a little bow tie, but no collar, oh, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, fuck. So, anyway, uh, Lady Marsh is is there with her lover, Malcolm Sloan. And um, so, and they're describing what happened to the police, and the it's sort of the Deputy Andy analog to whatever <laughs> town we're in, because he can't spell Jaguar. And fine. Um, it's a joke. So, <laughs> just like we've already got a character that does this. Can we not? Can we have one town that seems competent so that Twin Peaks doesn't look like it's just in a universe of dunderheads? Um, but at, at any rate, Michelle is like, no, <laughs> you most certainly cannot. Um, <laughs> you're going, I know someone who is going to bed without their James. Um, <laughs> That's right. I say good day, sir. <laughs> so they, but they, they're, this is them uh, setting up James of saying, you know, uh, she says like she met him in a bar and he offered to help fix the car. And she says that there's a legal document written somewhere that says that he was going to fix the car. She needed to start after him. She wrote a book of poetry. She patented a new device called <laughs> The James Will Fix Your Car, as well as Steven Spielberg's now. Oscar-winning movie, James <laughs> will fix the car. Tom Hanks won the Oscar. No surprise there. He's putting on the shelf beside all his other Oscars. Sure, um, he's talented. Yeah, all that happened in the interim, and the policeman's like, "Oh right, oh this James guy," and they're like that. Yeah, I'm sure he said he came from a town somewhere, Twin Peaks, maybe. Yeah, and like just thro- throwing him under the bus completely. But you yeah. know, Madame Deadtooth has that faraway stare that says. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, our faraway, our faraway stare is accompanied by 
or Inside Head, which is playing the James song. Right. <laughs> which is not the one you're thinking, it's the one that goes, you don't look like Laura. You don't look like Laura. Uh, <laughs> but you're pretty, except for your tooth. <laughs> <laughs> And speaking of James, we uh, find uh, one James Hurley and uh, Donna at Wally's hideout, uh, which, true to its name, that's where they're hiding out while the cops are looking for James. Yep. Um, and so Donna's big plan is, because nobody on this writing staff knows what to do with Donna at this point, her plan <laughs> yeah, the- <laughs> is to call another character to see what they ought to do in their storyline. Yeah, because Donna, Donna is, has went from being three-dimensional to completely two-dimensional now. She's a conduit for conversations between other characters. She is not her own character anymore. And that is a fucking shame. Because up, up until recently, Donna was one of the more interesting characters in the show. Oh, for sure. Up to and including, you know, her time with Agent Smith and, like, busting in with Maddie and stuff. That was, Mm -hmm. you know, wasn't the best, but it was all right. Uh, But, yeah, she has become just, like I said, you know, she has to call another character to figure out what the hell they're going to do with this story. So It's the curse of singing that song. Think about it. Since Since they all joined together and sang that song, Maddie is now dead. Donna is devoid of any character arc whatsoever. And James is up for attempted murder or murder, actually. Yeah, for yeah. A, it was straight up song. murder. So yeah. It's it's karmable. Sometimes things are so beautiful that there has to be repercussions. <laughs> right. <laughs> As seen with Norma and Ed later, we'll get to that. But oh god. Um. Yeah. So uh, essentially, they're just kind of stuck at Wally's, trying to figure out what the fuck they're gonna do. And we still don't come to a satisfying conclusion of this. Um, We can drag this out a whole episode, so let's do that. Right. So the most interesting thing about that scene is that um, they're like going into the scene and a a couple of times throughout the scene, you see this line of apparently World War II era German soldiers Mm -hmm. um, just kind of like... listening staring at something although it I, it was never clear to me what they're looking at maybe the art on the walls or whatever but it's to the tune of like an old 40s torch song kind of thing yeah it's really strange but it's the kind of twin peak strange i can get behind yeah it's that sort of background strange right we're, you know we're focusing on what's happening in the foreground with characters but the the background is infinitely weird, and when your attention is drawn to that, you find that you can't take your te- your attention off it. Right, it's everybody bouncing the balls in the lobby, uh, back when they're doing the Bob test at the Great yep, Northern the and that kind of stuff. Barbershop quartet that weren't singing at mm. breakfast. Yep, yeah, it's that kind of shit, and I'm down for it. But I don't know, it just I I, I don't know about it belonging in this scene. But all right, fine. Anyway, so. Uh, let's get out of that scene because nothing's going on there, and let's see what's happening at the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Station, where mm-hmm. one Bobby Briggs is being interviewed. I know I'm I'm already starting in my head. Um, <laughs> is being interviewed alongside uh, Shelly Johnson. Where is she sitting, Bo? Uh, hey, Shelly's sitting right beside me over here, over here. 
and she's like that's true i am over here um but uh so they're like they're questioning them about um leo and also bobby is kind of letting it let them in on the fact that hank was the one who shot leo in the first place yeah so finally getting this information out which has been carried around for a while plus this was secret information kinda right um, well it was, was blackmail yeah yeah it was gonna use his blackmail but that's not paid off so no point in holding on to that information anymore might as well get that one out but he doesn't give away that the mastermind behind the whole scheme was none other than ben horn uh or general fucking lee, lee. i think he's yeah, supposed to be robert e. lee. lee so yeah so he doesn't he doesn't give away that information but it gives enough to make sure that hank ain't gonna see the sun again bo yeah so he was a bit upsetting from my point of view because it feels like we are almost losing a wonderful addition to to our 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 litany of voices hey one of the most beloved characters that we do but i know i'm not even in these episodes (laughs) it's discouraging um what, what, what have you been up to hank oh you know Getting up to no good. Uh, I've been on that yayo. That skag. That booger sugar. And clean burning propane. Yay! Do a shot. (laughs) So, yeah, Hank is nowhere to be found in in these episodes. He's just got to talk about off camera. And I'll be back. You'll see. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so but so they're questioning bobby and shelly and uh they're like look you know leo is clearly on a rampage now leo stein and yeah. <laughs> do you want some protection and bobby's like hey you don't have to worry about me and shelly over here over here and <laughs> Uh, they're like, like maybe right. we can arm you with pitchforks and torches. Right, yeah. Like, hey, if we see him, we'll just chase him up into his tower over here. Um, <laughs> tower over here. <laughs> and, uh, um, so finally, the Sheriff Truman rightfully is like, I need you two to leave this scene. And <laughs> I need you to leave this scene. So they do. And uh, he's like looking at the writer behind the camera, saying, "Can we write them out just now? <laughs> Can we have a character that people like, please?" And sure enough, uh, in comes Albert Rosenfeld. Yeah, and, and immediately embraces Harry. Yeah, I love this because they're now buds. Yeah, well, because they've they've crossed that barrier of like they have reached a place of love. And mm-hmm. and so now you know Albert's on board, um, and we get one of my favorite things of this whole episode, which is Albert relaying Gordon Cole's message as Gordon Cole. Yeah, uh, his impression's fucking hilarious. It's pretty good, and um, because what what is the line? Because I'll I'll fuck it up. It's uh, keep. Is it just keep an eye out for Cooper? Yeah, keep it. Keep, keep an, an eye, eye on Cooper. Cooper. Yeah, keep an eye on Cooper. 
And I will argue I think mine is better. I your your lunch is like I I don't want to like inflate your ego too much, but your lunch is probably the best impression of lunch I've ever heard. Well, I think it's so fucking spot on. It's amazing. <laughs> like, it really is. Like if I close my eyes and listen back to the podcast, you sound like David Lynch. Awesome. All right. You've nailed it. That's the one you've nailed. That's like, a, above all others. That's I, the one you've nailed. Spot on. 100%. You know, and it's funny because I was telling a friend of mine about this. Because, I, you know, <laughs> I, like, I'm not, I, I, I do not engage in braggadocio uh, <laughs> on the regular, Duncan. But I was telling him, I was like, I've got a pretty good David Lynch. And he was like, who is that? And I was like, exactly. <laughs> that You're is like, exactly my like, point. He's like, who is that? You're like that. I'm not going to continue this conversation right next person. I get that all the time, man. I get that yeah. all the time. You mentioned David Lynch. I was walking around. I'm, I've, I've got my Twin Peaks t-shirt on today, my Black Lodge one. I was walking around today, and one of the people I worked with asked me if it was a holiday resort in the north of Scotland. Yeah. Did, did you, I mean, did you stay there or something? I was like, what? And he's like, Black Lodge and what that. Twin Peaks. And he just looked at me as if I was speaking a foreign language. And that person's the same age as me, so he knows what Twin Peaks is. Doesn't listen to the show though, because if he did, he would understand that when I say that you're a dick, you know what fucking Twin Peaks is. But yeah, all of them. Any conversations about movies? We've we mentioned this before. I quote movies incessantly. I'm a work. No one gets them. No one's like, isn't that from Jurassic Park? No. So when I'm sitting at my desk going shooter, no one. <laughs> you know, I've gotten to the point I'm now where girl. I'm just like, look, if I've got to listen to you talk about your vacation. You're going to hear me describe how Dracula dies <laughs> across the me. early Hammer films and which I like best. <laughs> if, if I've got to listen to your vacation, you're going to listen to me read different paragraphs from this today's newspaper in the voice of David Lynch's Gordon Cole. <laughs> Gonna be a hot one today, huh? <laughs> David Lynch's weatherman. There's some light winds coming in from the east across my soul. <laughs> yeah, this is There's anyway. an 80% chance of you waking up. <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> so Albert uh, is there. Albert has come down with some information. Turns out Gordon Cole has put Albert on the case. To find when the Merrill. Yep, and uh, it's it, like Albert is always welcome, and he's got a map this time, which is impressive. So they have mapped out uh, all the places where they believe Windmill has struck, um, and it makes a big C right in America's heartland, Duncan. Yep, um, and. He has also been uh, keeping trophies, Dun- keeping trophies, Duncan, mm-hmm. um, and uh, all of them killed with a knife wound to the aorta. Uh, and uh, then they go into the the uh, stuff with the body that uh, the rigor mortis thing I thought was kind of interesting. I don't know if it's true or not. Kind of don't I mean, care. I think it is actually. Um, I hope so. 
you know, but I don't want to look into it to be disabused of this idea of like, oh no, the rigor mortis sets in from head to toe and then leaves from toe to head. That's just a cool thing to know until someone tells me different. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, Albert once again, kind of coming in and just being like, yeah, this guy's a real threat. Um, uh, <laughs> so you guys have any leads or anything? And, <laughs> um, but, but he can't resist a, a one fashion statement, uh, where he tells Cooper that the, um, the flannel casual Cooper, uh, he was like, I, normally I would hate this, but you know what? You pull it off kid. And, uh, and I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, casual Cooper is I, like, I, I prefer agent Cooper, but I'm down with deputy casual Cooper. Agreed. Agreed. A hundred percent. Uh, let's see. We missing any of the info dump in this scene. Is that pretty much everything? Um, not, not oh, it's really, spelled a so... C for uh, what's her name? Carolyn, Catherine, Carolyn. Yeah, and he's um, he's been sending packages to. He's basically been keeping all agencies, local police offices, or local sheriff offices, FBI, um, all these branches busy sending them trophies, and the trophies are essentially parts of her wedding dress or wedding attire, right? Um, Shoe and garter, well. and yeah. Yeah, so he's he's doing that, and it's, I mean, the message is fairly clear, and it's aimed at the right place, Um, and it's just giving us, it's not really progressing the story along that much, except to say that, you know, on a level which makes sense to me from a story point of view, is that the FBI are at least looking out at this. And speaking of Wendem Earl, Duncan... Yep. Let's go to the adventures of Wyndham Earl and Leo Stein. Yeah, this is like, this is where, remember when I said he was crazy and people were like, well, he, he didn't seem all that unhinged before. Yes, he has killed someone and made an elaborate setup of their death, but he seems all right. Um, no, th- this character's like, I'm actually starting to feel a wee bit sorry for Leo at this point. <laughs> I don't want to feel sorry for Leo Stein. Yeah, right. And because for one thing, he barely understands what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. For another, yeah, Wyndham Earl is a absolutely 100% nut job. And yeah. like he enters the scene uh, playing a flute, uh, prancing around in some long johns uh, like Puck from A Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm hmm. And then hops on Leo, who's like, and (laughs) he hops on him and he's like, you're Leo the lion. And you're like, you're a grown man. And this is terrifying because also uh, them onesies you're in look a little dirty. And uh, so he ends up putting a shot collar on Leo Stein. Yeah, after after beating them with the flute, which he tells them that like like samurai when they were you know their swords were taken off them and they were disbanded. Once again, like weird scene for information. Um, so we've had that rigor mortis information. Now we're getting Japanese history. Uh, they would forge these these flute, um, which she would then use as a weapon, and then he starts beating like Leo with it just across his head, and then puts a shock collar on him. 
and then basically refers to Mrs. Kitty Cat. Yeah, it's unsettling. Weird. Weird. Uh, I mean, it's we've all been there. It's happened to all of us. Yeah, I'm still weird, man. Um, I do at this point more for nostalgia than anything, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a it, it like it's a fun scene, and again, uh, it, it makes Wyndham Earl seem like an honest to goodness villain. But I couldn't help but thinking, like as I was watching back through this, like where's Bob? Like, can we get a little Bob back? And I know we're gonna, but. Let's... Yeah, but we we have we are so far away from that now, Bo. I know, I know. Distant memory. That is old Twin Peaks. This is new Twin Peaks. New Twin Peaks has little Nicky and has Dead Tooth and has you know quirky stories about you know Ben Horn being a general and oh fuck. Yeah. All right, yeah, we're coming to that. Yeah, we are coming to that, and I am very glad that this fucking storyline finishes in this episode. Jesus. Um, but yeah, that's that's the new Twin Peaks. You, you're pining for the old Twin Peaks. Why I pine am. for something that's in the past? Pine for the present, Bo. I'm the present is awesome. The present has great scenes. The present has, has Wyndham Earl like, talking to Leo like a cat, and then force-feeding him fucking grill, although I don't think that's in this scene. Uh, force-feeding him grill it and is. shocking him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he does. He he purrs at him as he feeds him gruel. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's no Bob. Um, all right, let's get the hell out of here, Duncan. <laughs> let's slip into the bedroom oh. of uh, I think yeah, this is obviously at Big Ed's house. Yeah, not the best place to carry out your affair. Uh, Just seeing Big Ed. Why I'm to the cabin. I mean, you're right, but also uh, it, it sure feels like they had to, um, you know, get to business as quick as possible. I don't think they were ever going to make that drive. Um, mm. But it, it, you know what? I like this scene a lot, actually, except for the entrance of Nadine. Like, I almost wish they had just left this scene alone where out of all the insanity that's going on in Twin Peaks, we have one moment between these characters who are kind of the decent people on the show anyway. And like have one quiet moment between them. Uh, Because like, why not? We've got, we've got so much other filler going on. Let's just do something crazy and have two characters talk to each other just for a second. Um, But anyway, that's kind of what happens. There's this, this nice scene between uh, Ed and Norma, where they basically say, um, you know, it's amazing how time flies, and uh, but you know there is a future ahead of us, and we can we can race toward that future together, Duncan. They can be a couple, hand in hand, fully in love. Uh, their mistakes behind them, and uh, and and living a life together in a way that is positive and and public and satisfying. It's a beautiful scene. Yeah. And then Nadine comes in. So She doesn't just come in. She takes the bedroom door off its hinges. <laughs> right, because she's a coma hulk. And it's just yeah. like, oh, the door, sorry! <laughs> and... <laughs> she is like Darth Vader. This is like the, the introduction to Darth Vader when that fucking 
space door explodes and he just comes in. Uh, she's she comes in brandishing a trophy as well, which is it's like what did she get that trophy for? Most shrill voice, you know. Well, it turns out that she uh, got second place. First of all, that's a shitty trophy for second place, but mm-hmm. uh, she got second place in the state finals, maybe um, because she was disqualified in the final match because the airplane slam uh of the uh was illegal in the rules of the wrestling tournament um so she lost uh first place and um as she is discussing this she has crawled into bed with ed and norma although she's still fully clothed and um yeah and and so ed is essentially like hey uh that's terrible um you're cool with this i guess and she's like, oh, I'm totally fine with it. You know, you're too old for me anyway, because I'm crazy. And that's not how she said it, though, because it was more like, I'm crazy. <laughs> I'll kill you in your sleep. <laughs> Just kidding. That dick's mine. Basically, she's like, you've got Norma and I'm all right with that because I've got Mike. Right. And we're like, does Mike know this? <laughs> right. And... Have you heard of face fucking? <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do with Mike. She says she's got Mike, and Mike's sitting somewhere else in Twin Peaks, and all of a sudden a cold shiver like comes over. So oh, someone's just walked over my grave as Nadine and her, her, her vagina of doom. Yeah, her, her vagina is linking back to something we were talking about, maybe off air at the beginning of this. Her her vagina is basically Unicron. The fucking planet destroyer. Uh huh. That's right. That's basically what it was. It just goes around swallowing worlds and Galactus, if you will. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, or Unicron. I'm look. I don't. I don't mean stuff on Unicron. Unicron. Has to be Unicron. All right, fine. It's Unicron. Planets. Plus Uh, Unicron's fucking bitching. Yeah. Well, sure. Voiced by who is it? Voiced Leonard Nimoy. I thought. No, Leonard Nimoy does a, a Galvatron. Oh. Um, um, is it Orson Welles? It had to be. Yeah, that's right. It was. Right. It was Orson Welles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 moving on, moving on. <laughs> right, no, I'm just, because I, I was like, I we go down this hole. Yeah, we'll it, never come back. Right, it's going to turn into us singing Dare to be Stupid, and nobody wants that. Yeah. So, <laughs> anywho... Um, you got the touch. So, uh, <laughs> you got the power. Um, yeah. So, on her way out the door, after seemingly being cool, um, Nadine, and also bending a trophy round and back. Well, she does something to a trophy the way she like fucking twists it and then twists it back into shape. It's right. Like, she's still got freak power. Well, that's the thing is she's like, I'm cool with Ed and Norma. But secretly, you know, um, so, you know, maybe, maybe things won't turn out okay for Norma and Ed. Um, no. All right. So, uh, let's hop over to, <laughs> sorry. So let's hop over to, uh, the, the sawmill where Josie Packard in her maid's outfit is, uh, hanging out with Sheriff Truman 
and Agent Cooper. And Agent Cooper is like slyly like, I'm going to get me another cup of Joe, Harry. You and Joan Chin uh, have a little jibber jaw. I'll be back. And so. <laughs> yeah. So so he goes. I'm, I'm kind of hoping we get a Joan Chen impression because I do like your Joan Chen, <laughs> even though it's mildly racist. I think it's fairly accurate, actually. I'm not... Uh, In the grand scheme of things, we are not going to talk about racism on Twin Peaks. Right. Mr. Tojamur's memory is still fresh. She's just got a very light voice. Oh, hey. Um, She's just got a very light voice. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's fair, because if she was being authentic, she would call him Harry. Right. I'm not trying to be a jerk about her being of Asian descent, Duncan. It's just she's got a very particular way of speaking. Does that go again? You son of a bitch. Um, oh, hey. Uh, it's, it's always a little... Uh, uh, anyway. So, Pete Martell is uh, hanging out or, or passing by the old coffee pot and has an armful of uh, uh, clothes back from the dry cleaner. He's got a little story about that nobody cares about. And... Uh, Agent Cooper is like, huh, I'm going to check out all of this, uh, all, all these dry clean clothes and see what's up. Because there, it turns out a Bakuna coat is amongst um, uh, the, the dry cleaned and plastic wrapped clothing. And if you will remember, Duncan. I was about to say, you're, you're going <laughs> to. Uh, yeah, we remember this. We remember this because Gordon Cole fixated on it. Yeah. His mispronunciation. Bye, Kuna. Um, Bye, Kuna. So, uh, yeah, so he gets a little pinch of that coat and uh, and heads out. And meanwhile, uh, Joan Chin uh, gets a phone call from David Warner, awesomely enough. <laughs> I wish it would happen to me, um, but it's not. It's Joan Chin. And he's like, hello, Joan Chin. And <laughs> hello, Joan Chin. I can't believe that you're still there. I cannot wait to spend time with you, my dear. Uh, meet me at the, the the Great Northern Hotel. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there is a bit of tomfoolery afoot. There's a bit of a C-U-N-T. Yep. A See you next Tuesday. One, Catherine Martell on the scene, or actually uh, in the scene, on another extension. <laughs> and... Um, so she's like, I'm, I'm like sneaking this call because Eckhart is, is kind of talking about Josie and all the shit she's been up to. And then as soon as uh, they hang up, then Eckhart is like, she went back to the Martells. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe she went back to the Martells. I don't know why he's, a, he's all of a sudden David Warner sounds like James Mason. I don't know why, why that's, that's fine. Happened. That's fine with me. <laughs> I don't know why she's went back to the bloody Martez. <laughs> don't know why. Don't know I why. Love it's just happened. Said, though. It's just happened. It's just happened. I don't know why. Um... Oh, young master. <laughs> oh, the master. Of you. Anyway, I, I, I only do <laughs> Salem's Lot, James Mason. That's all I know. Um, <laughs> That's all you do. Yeah. Oh, young master. That's it. That's <laughs> back all holy I can man. Do. Back priest. Back shaman. Oh, that is so good. God damn. See, I may watch that. Uh, just watch Salem's Lot again. And, and just Salem's fast forward to the good stuff. 
Yeah, Salem's Lot crossed over into the world of Ghost Dog. Oh, fuck. If Ghost Dog fucked vampires. It'd be the great. I, why is that not happened? Why I would, it, anime, why is, why is no one, why is no one in Japan, I'm talking to our Japanese listeners, done a manga of that yet? Yeah, it's gotta happen. Go, Ghost yeah. Dog be vampires, directed yep. by Jim Jarmusch, and oh, Tilda Swinton you. is the queen vampire from Only Lovers Left Alive. Boom, crossover in his own universe. Yeah, yeah. I just came in my pants hard. Ah, oh, this show is an idea machine. Idea machine is the fucking, the wheels are constantly going, but yeah. And um, you call it the only Ghost he, Dogs Left Alive. Boom. <laughs> Ghost Dogs Left Alive. <laughs> Which is ironic, because he died. Um, <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, so, yeah, he's he comes off the phone. We, we get a feeling that this is maybe going to come ahead at some point. Fairly soon. We don't have to wait that long to see what's going to happen next with that storyline yeah all right speaking of storylines um so ben horn is still bananas uh let's rush through this yeah so all right dr jacoby uh audrey and brother jerry are trying to figure out what the fuck they're gonna do and jerry's like Ah, it's fine. We like let him do whatever he wants. And Audrey's like, no, no, no. If he's ruled incompetent, I get all his shit. And you know, I'm telling you, we need to fix him because if it's down to me, I don't want to be in that position. But shit would be changing around here. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't want to see him piss everything away. So, bada bing, bada boom. Uh, we're going to do uh, a middle school production of uh you know this civil war shit so that we can get him to snap out of it and not nearly enough dr jacoby uh in the scene way too much audrey threatening jerry although i like audrey threatening people just fine dr jacoby has been a treat lately in the in Mm -hmm. the season uh let's not fuck with it let's (laughs) Like all he does is just kind of watch in this episode, and or and what he needs to be doing is guiding this madness. And yeah. anyway, but he's not, and they sing Dixie again, which is never a good choice. And uh, the the one thing, what what is his name? Is it uh, the the son Ben's son? Is it David John? Something like that. The something cra- like that. The one with the Indian headdress. He's in the scene. Yeah. Uh, who've not seen for easily like 13 episodes right and i totally forgot it like the only reason it's worth mentioning is because it's worth mentioning you know it's like oh i I totally forgot this character was a thing um like we haven't really seen him i think since the funeral i think you're right yeah uh is the last time we saw this character so all right anyway that's what's going on there who cares um let's just get this all over with and um so back to wally's hideout we go where uh donna and madam dead tooth um are uh, like donna's kind of staking the place out a little bit but madam death tooth shows up because she's a maybe not so functional alcoholic and yeah <laughs> it's probably what happened and this is her cheers right except when she comes in and telling me instead of yelling norm 
They're like, scope! <laughs> I always thought she was more a Fraser. You think so? Yeah, I get that. Right. Yeah, I, I can see that. Kind of a Lilith, almost. Lilith, nice. Um, a lot of cheers talk on this episode. I like it. Yeah, ne- I think that's what we do. We we'll link the next, things uh, and then carry through. The next show we'll do is Cheers. No, we'll be here <laughs> it's, forever. It's only, I don't know, what, 16 years? Uh, well, I don't know well, how well, long yeah, the show well, What's better, Cheers or Frasier? Oh, Cheers, 100%. No, Frasier's better. No, you're absolutely wrong about that. N- no, you're absolutely wrong about that. All right. There is no greater on-screen relationship than that of Frasier and Niles. Niles! <laughs> uh, except for Sam and fucking Diane. Yeah, kinda. It's pretty good. Anyway. That's pretty good. Now that, now that you've said that, now that you've said that, although Diane changes, so that's all I'm going to say. Frasier keeps the cast all the way through. Yeah, yeah, but all the way through. It find, it, like, but Cheers finds its way. Like, it finds out how to bring all the all the bench up to a. Don't characters. use the gold anyway. bloom argument with me. <laughs> Cheers finds a way. Cheers, <laughs> You're uh, not allowed to play that. Way. Um, it does though. Like Norm becomes a much more interesting character. Carla becomes yep. a much more interesting char- yep. character. Fraser originates there, and they do a lot with that character. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, you're better. Than you. Goddamn, the house. We sang the cheer <laughs> song, not the fucking toss salad and scrambled eggs. Yeah, that but the fact that I you said that, you Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling to salads and scrambled eggs. You will get no scrambled eggs from me, sir. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, Madam Deadtooth, in a particularly tooth-distracting scene... As there's a lot of teeth here. Th- there is. There's a lot of, like, her giving smirks and stuff, and it's like, what is yeah. that gap? Oh, it's a tooth! Yeah. Yeah, um, what did she see? I couldn't pay attention. <laughs> and uh, so what we reveal about this character, because we could have been done, Duncan. We could have been done with these characters. We we're almost there. I could taste freedom. Yeah. She she told us to leave. She said, you're free and go. Whither, and I believed her. <laughs> whither James goes, I goest, I go. Um, yeah. I was and, like, with James, I follow the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I will follow him. Follow him. Why are we doing Sister Act? We're not doing Sister Act. I don't know. I really right don't back. know. Right back. And back to Ghost. All right. Um. <laughs> oh, my love. That's right. <laughs> what are we doing here? I don't know. You're taking us down this hole. <laughs> this clay hole. Um, anyway. Uh, sorry. So, it's a creepy, weird, wrong scene. That. Yeah. I. This has gone to horrible, horrible places. So, uh, Donna, as she's talking to Madame Deadtooth, um, and Madame Deadtooth is being all nihilistic, just like, ah, the universe is cold and uncaring and shit. <laughs> and, I mean, that's kind of what she says. She's channeling her inner Agent Smith. Right. It's <laughs> the smell of <laughs> your James's. Um, I, I can taste it. It's the sweat. It's the smell. So, she is uh, Agent Smith and out, and Donna's like, then just leave James alone. He's good. He's not like you. He's a good person. Because we don't have anything interesting for Donna to say anymore. He's, he's a pure, innocent soul. 
Yeah, I mean, no wonder she didn't come back for Firewalk with me. Anyway, um, yeah, we'll she is. She is. Yeah, no, no wonder. Like, see, if I was her, I would have been royally pissed off this season. Right. I'm like, why? Did you, uh, anyway, and so uh, Malcolm Sloan, Malcolm Sloan, uh, <laughs> shows up. Sean, Michael Sean <laughs> shows up and kind of gives Donna a little bit of what for. Like, doesn't hit her, but like grabs her by the face and it's like. Don't come around here asking no questions anymore, or I'll kill you. It does the same with, like, Dead Tooth first gets her arm dragged and very forceful with her. And then, you know, Donna gets the threat, and then we're like, well, you know, maybe we should just go. Right. How about we fuck off and leave these people to their thing? And, you know, we'll go back to Twin Peaks, go to the people who know us, and we'll tell them what happened. And I'm sure there's some evidence. Like, James is too stupid not to leave a record of his whereabouts if only we knew a super sleuth fbi agent who liked us who would get to the bottom of this and solve it for us right He's not like, doing anything just now that lot of palmer case is over yeah you want me you want to make me give a shit about this storyline have agent cooper investigating on behalf of james and all of a sudden yeah. i'm thinking agent cooper private eye i'm down anyway. yeah cooper walks in you know what cooper's gift is he knows when someone's lying Cooper walks in, dead to says, well, I think you will find that um, I have a legal contract here, which has been signed by James, saying that he fixed my husband's car. And it, Cooper's like, lies. And she's like, but I also have a, a star named after James Fixit. Lies. Um, Steven Spielberg has been inducted into the American Film Institute. For his, for his work on the film James Lies um, <laughs> right. you know, it just goes through the full thing Lies, 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 Lies you did it, Sloan helped Malcolm Sloan, Sloan, Sloan helped um, this happened, James is an innocent man peace, case over uh-huh. arrest this man, I'm going home to sleep with my wife or Audrey or oh, Audrey oh, behave so, um, yeah, none of that happens, though. None of that happens. Instead, this drags out the entire fucking episode. So, before we go much further, though, we have to get to uh, the sheriff's office where uh, Albert Rosenfeld is giving a presentation on the Vicuna. Vicuna! Uh, <laughs> on the Vicuna coat. Um And it turns out that not only do the fibers match, meaning... Um, Joan Chen uh, shot Agent Cooper and was like, "Oh, sorry, I had to shoot you," and then and then shot him. <laughs> and- I rem- I'd like I remember watching this, but like I I I think I've said before on here when I watched Twin Peaks the first time around when it was first on TV, I got as far as the Laura Palmer murder reveal. Uh, the murder reveal, sorry, and then I stopped watching. I remember watching it much later and getting to this point to find that, you know, like, forgetting one of the mysteries that you're left with at the end of season one is who shot Agent Cooper. I remember the reveal coming out that it was um, Joan Chen and just being like, well, I didn't make any fucking sense at all. Right. It, it absolutely What a disappointment. Yeah. What a disappointment. It should have been Harry. It, sh- it so should have been Harry. Yeah. That I don't know how you get there, but like have him possessed by Bob or something. Yes, but, it know, makes we'll as there, much but. it makes as much fucking sense as Joan Chen, though. Yeah, and not only be Malcolm Sloan, 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 Malcolm Sloan. Oh, hello, Sloan. Malcolm. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a nice to meet you. Uh, 
So anyway, but uh, what was the point of this? Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, not only did she um, cap, as the kids say, Agent Cooper. <laughs> she put cap in that. She 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 was strapped with her gat and popped a cap. Yeah, she was like brap brap, and uh, and then skeet skeet skeet. Um, <laughs> That's a different thing, Bo. Oh, skeet skeet skeet. Um, <laughs> it's weirdly erotic there. I don't ever do that again. Right in my ears. Don't ever do that again. Fucking <laughs> um, <laughs> <Make it> horrible. <laughs> uh, sorry, it tickled me. Um, <laughs> some of these just for me, Duncan. Um, <laughs> Anyway, that she also killed uh, the dude whose body turned up last episode because it was the same uh, same caliber of gun and same, you know, whatever they do to match guns. Yeah. They're like, yeah, the boring and uh, whatnots. And uh, Agent Cooper <laughs> is like... That's the technical ones for it. <laughs> right. And Agent Cooper is like, yeah, that all adds up. That sounds good. Um, so... Um, the idea they get to in this scene is that uh, when they get back around to talk about Wendell Merle, um, because the whole deal with uh, uh, Rosenfeld giving this presentation to Cooper is to be like, hey, Sheriff Truman's girlfriend, Joan Chen, is in a shit ton of trouble. Like, she is yeah. obviously a criminal, possibly a murderer. And uh, so they have to go talk to Sheriff Truman, not about that, but about Wyndham Earl. And the deal there is that every time he takes a chess piece from the board, that someone dies, uh, according to his pattern. Mm -hmm. So they have to go to a resident chess expert. And uh, <sighs> you know what? I don't give a shit, Duncan. I take what I can get and I like it. Um, so they go to the double R where one Pete Martell is Bobby Fishering them yeah. by playing multiple, multiple games, games of chess. Yeah. And winning them all. Yeah. And, uh, and, sh and so agent Cooper says, well, I need, I can't tell you why I need this, but I need you to help me play a game of chess where we stalemate the opponent while losing as few pieces as possible, preferably none. Mm -hmm. and so pete is like you know what i'm in and also i weirdly have sex with Catherine sometimes <laughs> and he didn't say that part but the whole time i was watching this scene i was like I my brother-in-law is still alive <laughs> right she kept it from me all these years i find it erotic um so when joan chen is cleaning the dishes sometimes she says skeet 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 uh Hey, Pete. No. <laughs> well, well. Skeet, skeet, skeet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so dumb. Uh, what has this show become? Um, I don't know. I don't know. We've got to look at ourselves in mirrors after this. It really, yeah. And it, listeners, only you can stop it. Like, I, I look at the numbers and they're actually pretty good. So. Yeah. Stop listening! Right, you gotta, you gotta stop. You gotta or get stop. more people to get more people to listen to the show to validate your opinion that the show should stop. Preferably that, yeah. Let's get everyone on board. Eventually, we could just take over the world. 
Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Legionpodcast.com. Um, anyway, so... Uh, what the fuck are we? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, so... Um, <laughs> Shelly and uh, Norma have a brief chat. Uh, Shelly is uh, kind of back um, at the double R, wants, wants a job, wants to get back to work, wants to get back to her life. Clearly, Leo Stein will trouble her no more. Um, <laughs> well, there's an open flame there at, <laughs> uh, at the double R. <laughs> Char grilled. There's, there's, there's a free position because Hank's not there anymore. Right, well, and and so that's what Sheriff Truman is there to tell Norma is like, hey, Hank's kind of fucked. Hey, and <laughs> he's like, look, we got him for the attempted murder of Leo Johnson. <laughs> we've we've got him for breaking parole. I'll cop to that. Um, and what was the other thing he did like some some else that they're they're like look he's going he's fucking going to jail and yeah. norma's like that sounds great yeah all right so uh Shelly's like that is there any chance i can get my old job back yep um and norma says when can you can you, can you start and she's like how about right now and bobby in the distance is going oh Shelly, she's got a job over here over here uh, right hey shelly finally you're bringing in a little income over here <laughs> bringing in some cash some cheese some cheddar bowl hey simoleons over here clams <laughs> greenbacks c-notes benjamins benjamins i'm all about the benjamins over here um <laughs> anyway god this show uh so joan chen uh is playing made um mm. right it's it is particularly Sexy. fetching um so uh thomas eckert shows up for dinner for uh a a meal with uh see you next tuesday Catherine martell while joan yep. chen plays made for both of them yeah. um and you know eckhart is uh being you know rather suave although he's got like a crazy blood eye which is kind of cool yeah he does i'm gonna just say accident an unintentional thing that i just kept in i i want to think that's true um it's the sort of thing they do in twin peaks so yeah so why not um i imagine what's wrong with your eye (laughs) no don't fix it yeah, I imagine his character probably was supposed to be introduced minus sunglasses as well, but when he got that, that's why they just put sunglasses on. Yeah. Once again, I guess, maybe. So yeah, so they sit down and have the, once again, the race thing in the in this show at times can be quite uncomfortable, particularly when involving Catherine Martell. And basically what they do in this scene is haggle a price to sell her servant to him, which I'm just saying kind of poor taste. Of course it is. Um, and, and so the whole deal is like, it's because she is so beautiful. Like Thomas Ecker wants her because he, he wants the finest things. Also probably wants a bouncer around the room a little bit for killing, you know, one of his minions. And, yeah. uh, so, 
yeah, he wants to purchase her from from Catherine, and you know, Catherine apparently owns her, kind of because of doesn't make any sense. It, doesn't be, make any sense, right? Let's not scratch too hard at this, maybe. Yeah, because of the debt that she thinks that she's entitled to Catherine, uh, right? Make any sense because Joan Chin was setting her up to be killed, but then came back to warn her, even though like Catherine already knew all that shit. Joan yep. Chin still kind of did the right thing there but also yeah. Joan Chin is probably a murderer so anyway so, who gives so a there's shit? literally the thing is though the thing about this stupid stupid storyline is that Catherine Martel was ahead of them all from the start because that's basically what they've revealed by the return of Andrew right well that they have orchestrated all this like incredible puppet masters yeah so if that's the case then this none of this makes sense right it's all it, this is Patrick Bateman's confession it means nothing. Yeah, th- this is all super stupid. And the yep. whole time, Joan Chan's like, I-, I almost won an Oscar. Um, <laughs> so I could have been a contender. I could, uh, oh, I could have been somebody. Uh, <laughs> Getting slightly racist. Bring it back. All right, all right. Steer it back. It, it's not meant for long distances. The Joan Chan is only meant for bursts. Um, it's only meant for like greeting oh, people, apparently. Yeah, it's pretty much that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you you don't want to take that one out for a walk. Um, <laughs> it's just gonna let you down. It's like a like an American car, Duncan. Um, sorry, it's not true. They're good now. Um, buy American. Buy American, please, God, somebody save us. Um, <laughs> so uh, once we get out of that scene, um, we can jete over to uh, Creepsville. Where James has returned stupidly to the scene of the crime. It does this surprise you? It was inevitable. In fact, James has become wholly stupidly predictable that I'm surprised it's taken <laughs> so long for him to return to the scene of the crime. Well, he probably thought he was shirtless again and had returned there to check his luggage. Yeah. Because he had packed it, forgetting that he had actually already packed and left. Yep. He's just got, I, fell back into a loop. Either that or he has forgotten that his previous contract and job was finished and he's back to repair the car that killed her husband. <laughs> right. He's opportunistic. Hey, um, I know it might be soon, but you got your Rolls Royce is broken again. I can fix it. She's like, do you know that you are being hunted for the murder of my husband because I set you up? You what? <laughs> you don't look like Laura. Uh, <laughs> why would you, what <laughs> Why would somebody who looks like Laura not do that? I ain't know anymore. You're stupid. Uh, <laughs> it's funerals tomorrow. Can I do the agukuli? Right. Well, and then like <laughs> she, she's like, you know, even though you've returned to me, James, and you're angry, clearly. But there's something between us, James. And well, you do it. You're better. <laughs> She's like, yes, there's something something between us, James, dear. Something, a fire that burns deep between us both. And James kind of, like, I want to say James is resistant or hesitant, but James is dumb. Right? And James kind of, like, and she's like, you need to protect me, James. You need to protect me from... From Shlom, Malcolm Shlom. Um, you need to protect me, James. And, and then 
James kind of falls into the trap, falls into the dead the trap. honey trap, the honey, the honey trap, um, and he tries to he tries to steal some honey from that pot, and um, what he gets is the butt of a gun against the back of his head, knocking him out. It's Malcolm Sloan. Sloan. You know, I before this happens, my vote for dumbest James moment of either of these episodes. <laughs> Happens just before this because uh, Madam Deadtooth is like, I like the way you taste. And it's, I don't know. I mean, if a woman says that to you, that's kind of sexy, I guess. And mm-hmm. James's response to that is, I like the way you taste too. Yeah. Poetry. And it's just like, uh, all right, well, clearly there is no poetry in this mantle, just as yeah. there is nothing in his head. <laughs> Even though I wrote a book of poetry based on him fixing a car, there is no poetry in his soul. Um. Yeah, as as a te- as fucking come on. Right, I know he's thick, right? But you, as writers, Twin Peaks, can you're clearly trying to sexualize this character. Let's get as a a bit of the zingy dialogue here. Right? Give me what, yeah. your your noir kind of erotic thriller thing in the, the show, right? Give us some. You know, you're clearly trying. You're trying everywhere except where it comes, which is in James's fucking dialogue. Right, you too is not an acceptable response for your sex icon of the show. Of uh, course not, <laughs> unless you're making the you two a thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's fucking dumb. And uh, anyway, yeah. So, uh, Sloan, Malcolm Sloan, uh, cracks <laughs> James across the head, and he's just like, oh, and he goes down like a sack of potatoes as well. And uh, Madam Deadtooth looked surprised because she was like, I was about to get laid by Sex of James Hurley and uh, was not necessarily expecting uh, him to be knocked unconscious atop me. But mm. that's what happens. And uh, Sloan right. gets a bit a bit threatening here as well. And we realize that maybe he is. She's not great, but he's a dick. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the point of this episode is portraying her as someone who continues to be victimized, if not by her husband, it's by Sloan, Malcolm Sloan. Uh, yeah, because he's immediately... Little, like, I was going to say, let me write a little note to the writers of this episode to say that no one cares. This story was over last week. Right. We were out, baby. We were out. And... The so uh, Malcolm Sloan goes all forties gangster because this is a noir story, and it's like here's what happened. See, James came in. See, you had a gun. See, he tried to get the gun away from you, but then you <laughs> then you were wrestling with it, and the gun went off. Bang, bang, bang. The next thing you know, James is dead on the floor. That's the story, and we're sticking to it, right? And she's like, um, I guess. Why are you talking like that, Sloan? Malcolm Sloan? <laughs> and he's like, it's how I talk now. Um. <laughs> how i talk all the time i know what you're talking about you got loopy crazy anyway cuckoo um sorry done really um <laughs> it's fun to talk like that <laughs> i'm gonna do it all day at work tomorrow <laughs> all right so that's what's going on there but we have to leave that scene because you know things were getting slightly interesting and i was being entertained by <laughs> by Shlom malcolm Sloan's uh dialogue <laughs> And we have to cut to the cavalcade of who cares going on in Ben Horn's office as everybody uh, does the play about 
hey, we're signing the surrender and Ben Horn it gets to be okay again, I guess. Yeah, let's let's just let's just wrap that up then. Yeah, so he signs a document, he collapses, snaps out of whatever hallucination or slump with the vague recollection of having a dream that all the things that have happened have happened. And then there's like a really bad kind of end to like a like a, like a sitcom episode where everyone laughs. You know what I mean? And the camera just keeps going while they're laughing. And that uh, he's like that, but wait one second, why is everyone dr- why are you all dressed like that? <laughs> right, yeah, I had a dream, and you, you were there, and you, you were there, and yeah, it's like yeah, the Wizard of Oz. I get it. Nobody yep. cares about any of this. I'm just glad it's over now, and we can leave this scene post haste, knowing that we no longer have to put up with these shenanigans. Yep, done are the shenanigans. So Yay. we get back to. Um, Leo Stein and uh, Wyndham Earl. And Wyndham Earl is trying to teach Leo Stein to write. Uh, And Leo Stein's like, literacy, bad. (laughs) And uh, I love it. He's he's trying to get him to write like legible, but every time he tries to do it, he zaps him with electricity, which makes him unable to do it. And then Leo, albeit he is a monster, there is still knowledge in his head of what's happening and Wyndham Merrill who is putting on a rather silly disguise uh, which makes him look like a younger version of Pete Martell a little bit there's also a bit of Inspector Clouseau there is a little bit Clouseau is he minky on your shedder so there's a bit of that Um, that's um, racist to the French sir right uh, but I'm doing an impression of Peter Sellers being racist to the French oh fair enough fair enough that is that is takes the curse that off is it. fine. Yeah, I will not come back until the case is surveyed. <laughs> um, so <laughs> the <laughs> love those movies, love those movies so much. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, so he he puts down a bit of paper in front of him and says, "Which one should be next?" On that paper, there is Audrey Horn, there is Donna, uh-huh. and there's who's the other one? Norma, isn't it? Yeah, Norma's on it as well. Which seems he, like the dark horse to appear. Yeah, uh, on that, your these like, two. Yeah, well, because it's like Agent Cooper. I'm I'm getting at you with, you know, the. Uh, is it Norma? Hold on, let me double check. I think this. I think you're right. I think it is not. There because, can't be that many. Maybe Shelley. Yeah, that's it. It's. I'm sorry. You're right. It is. That's why. That's why Leo panics when he's writing it because it's like. So, so basically, he's writing this note. Grabs his hand to write it in his hand, and then just basically says, to "Who you know? Who should be next? Who who should we go for?" Basically, and um, those are the images of the ones that go off there. So we get the feeling that maybe Wyndham Earl is setting up Leo. Um, in some capacity, because obviously writing the note, etc. Or, maybe he's not, maybe he's doing this so there's no handwriting trace back or whatever, but ultimately, his next target will be one of these three women in Twin Peaks. Dun, dun, dun. And Donna's going, pick me, pick me, get me out of this fucking show, come on, we can do this. Audrey Horn's like, I've just started making the story interesting, let it not be me. And Shelley's like, 
I don't really have a purpose, but I now have a job, a job that I like, and I keep what uh, normal company don't kill me. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Donna, let's get to our uh, our action packed climax. Yeah, so Donna's like hanging around outside the house for some reason, and she looks in and she sees a rather angry Michael Shaw, Shaw, Shaw. Um, stand there with his gun. He's about to execute James, and she decides to run in and just shout words. Right, words will stop. <laughs> words will stop a gun. Uh, you silly bitch. Um, <laughs> don't do this. You you can't do this. Not right. Her her argument, like if she were in a debate team, her mm-hmm. argument would be boiled down to, "Please, no, don't." Yes, and she but. Would- Guns are bad. Right. I mean, it, it's kind of dumb because they had this whole conversation about how Madame Deadtooth was real, like, nihilistic and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And this is the perfect moment to actually call back to that and say, like, no, I mean, you might think this is chaos, but this is, like, this man is good and I love him. And just, you know, do the right thing. Like, maybe you can't have a life that is good and pure, but we still have a chance at that and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Do something yeah, like that instead of no. <laughs> there's a there's a bit of a tussle, bit of a scramble. Dead tooth like has a fight with Malcolm Sloan. They start wrestling around. The gun goes off. Sloan dies. Um, she basically tells those crazy kids to get out of there. And then once again we see this her repeating the story of what happened, which is her version of what she's going to tell the police. Yeah. It's and there's a, a wash of relief that comes over me, kind of thinking that this might be the end of this storyline. <laughs> I'm just like, maybe we've finally reached the end. Maybe James and Donna can go back to Twin Peaks. Maybe we never have to see this woman again. <sighs> yeah, let's cross our fingers. Um, we bid you adieu, Madam Deadtooth. Yeah. Uh, didn't do Yay. more. Uh, <laughs> that translates, Duncan. Um, and I couldn't be prouder of that. <laughs> Actually, it'd be more of a like a madam. Uh, what don't don't do more more. Um, anyway, doesn't matter. It's still funny. Um, so Um, back at the Great Northern. Uh, here's some fun. Cooper uh, has a sitcom moment where Wyndham Earl walks right by him because he doesn't know. No, well, he's in his Inspector Clouseau uh, outfit. He looks like he is a Scandinavian or maybe Belgian tourist. Mm -hmm. He's got the little feather in his cap, a lot of plaid, a lot of plaid, and sees a picture of an owl, notably. Uh, also they seem they are are not and also when leo stein first shows up at windham earls there is uh an owl screeching yes when i saw that i was like bob bob will take over leo that makes sense no right you got a leo stein let's put bob in charge um Mm -hmm. so uh, agent cooper uh heads to his room and there on the uh uh, on, on his pillow is a pretty rocking mask. It's a death mask. Yes, 
uh, of oh, Caroline. Caroline. Sweet um, Caroline. Bum, da, bum, da, bum. Da. You're dead as fuck and Agent Cooper's <laughs> screwed. Something. I didn't plan ahead. What were yeah, you saying? It worked. It worked. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so he goes over. There's this death mask with um, kind of what he thinks is the lights flickering under it. He lifts the mask up and a tape recorder plays. And it's Wendell Merrill. And Wendell Merrill has a message for him. And that message is Bo. Your move. Oh, chills. Chills up my. Oh. Um, and yeah. That that's is it. where we that's where we close. That is that is those two episodes down. I'm gonna say that that promise that we tried to make at the beginning never happened. Um I think we comfortably went over three hours. I wouldn't say comfortably, Duncan. Um <laughs> We uncomfortably went over three hours. Yes. Um I would like to say though that I'm very proud of this episode, Bo. I too am proud of this episode and I appreciate listeners uh listening. Uh, which mm. is what they tend to do. Um, Duncan, I don't think these episodes are very good. I agree. Yeah, I think these episodes are the reason many people stop watching Twin Peaks. Um, there is just the hint of an interesting storyline here, which is, that, funnily enough, once again, all the stuff with Dale Cooper, let's just give us more Coop. I mean, he is a, he is the character we followed to into Twin Peaks to solve this murder. He's a character that we've stuck with. We went through all the investigations. He is our main character. Why are we spending collectively about six or seven minutes with that character per episode? I don't understand it. But yeah, that's the interesting side of things. Things that we've managed to do is we've got rid of the fucking stupid Ben Horn story that's been put to bed. Hopefully got rid of the double indemnity. Double in uh, stupidity. Yeah. James' story is hopefully finally once again put to bed. So that one's gone. We've got rid of the the mayor and his brother fiasco thing with the, the, the girlfriend. That's been put to bed. Little Nicky hopefully has been put to bed as well. So that should be that storyline kind of fizzling out as well. So we, we have got rid of a lot of loose ends here. The only issue is that Twin Peaks, as we know in the past, has a tendency to get rid of storylines and then replace them with other shit storylines. So, right, I'd it's like the, the multiplicity effect. Yeah, where each, and each successive generation gets dumber. Gets yeah, and this show has a bad habit of that. So I can't guarantee what we're moving into is going to be the gold. That I promise. But there are episodes, there are particular parts of the storyline coming up and particular episodes I think that are really good. And we are now, what, three episodes away from... Three of our episodes, sorry. Three of our episode shows uh, away from the finale. So yeah. we are we we are making ground, ladies and gents. I know it seems like we aren't, but we really are. Um and we are keeping you occupied while we're doing it and entertained, which is yeah. the main thing. But yeah, I would agree with you. Neither one of these episodes I would rank anywhere near even the middle of of the best episodes of Twin Peaks. So the, the, this is bottom tier. This is before we're hitting season finale time. Yeah. You know, uh, when the shadow lands, Duncan. Um, 
<laughs> and uh yeah, it's it's in between sweeps, uh which I guess it would technically be the next episode or maybe the the one after that at any rate when they try to you know bump up the ratings and Mm -hmm. uh the finale uh and we're just yeah we're just kind of in the doldrums with this show right now it's you know it's feeling more and more just like a bad soap opera with moments of weird genius as opposed to a work of weird genius that apes a soap opera Um, agreed so anyway, we, like you said, we got a handful of episodes left here in season two. There is some quality weirdness uh, still ahead of us, as well as like, I'm going to argue that the last couple of episodes of season two are legitimately like, if nothing else, very entertaining. I think I think the last couple of episodes are brilliant, I, I, not to the, the levels that we've had before, but to levels where there's enough to hang your hat on in every single episode and then leading right up to that finale that finale is like i said before i know it frustrated a lot of viewers at the time one of my favorite finales in tv show history and we are we are within spitting distance of it both i see it on my list duncan it makes it Mm. makes me happy um so listeners hey how are you um Hi. hi what's up uh I just want to say thank you again and and for uh participating uh so much in uh in the show. Uh, it is very welcome. Um and you have homework this time. You have to here you now you got two homeworks. Not just the one homeworks. Um one watch Ghost Dog. I mean, what are we talking about? Oh, Ghost Dog. You got to watch Ghost Dog if you've never seen Ghost Dog. Um two, hey, if you're enjoying the show and you've got somebody that has never gotten into Twin Peaks, or, or just wants to listen to, um, you know, idiots, I guess, uh, <laughs> then uh, how about you recommend the show to a friend? That would be both appreciated and wonderful. And uh, Duncan will name his next child after uh, your request, really. It doesn't have to be you. Uh, it can be something like Toaster or Pooh Basket, anything. Um, that will never happen, but was pretendable. That's right. So... Uh, that's your homeworks. Uh, thank you again for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Um, if people want to hear more out of you, Duncan, where would they do such a thing? They can check out my work over at the podcast under the stairs. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast on my website, tpotscast.com. We are currently running the, the franchise Russian roulette retrospective on Hellraiser. And, um, that'll be the next couple of shows and then returning, to roll out the final installment of Basby Leatherface over the next week or so. So yeah, check all that out there. Excellent. Uh, if you want to hear more out of me, um, hop over to legionpodcasts.com, uh, where you can not only hear more of me from such shows as Hero Hero Go Show and The Shodcast, but also, I don't know why I'm doing it in like bad commercial voice, um, <laughs> but also... Uh, lots of shows from other people with a lot of different perspectives and, um, a lot of stuff that I am very, very proud of. Uh, you got your Hail Mings, uh, you got your, uh, Cinema PsyOps, uh, shows, uh, you got your, uh, Witch versus the Doomsday Clock, 
Uh, you've got your brand bo- new curated bow show that's coming uh, exclusive to Legion Podcast Network. I have to constantly promote you, sir. Right, right. Horror Hangover, which is a bi-weekly show available only on the Legion Podcasts uh, feed. Uh, so, yeah. Um, you know, come by and, and sample any and all of that and look for a t-shirt soon. Um, we're trying to make the server faster. Buy a <laughs> shirt. Um that's that's how I plan to promote Duncan honesty. We need we need it, everybody to buy a shirt so we can make all the downloads faster. It is, it is the best policy. Um, <laughs> me and Bo are considering uh, doing customizable voices for voicemails for your mobile phone for a small fee. Oh, I would totally do that. I would totally do that as well. All right, all right. Well, we'll we'll figure that out. If you if you guys have any interest in such a thing. Uh, let us know. We we will do this. We will do market based research, Duncan, where we will ask our <laughs> listeners, "Would you be interested in such a thing?" And if so, let us know. Yes. Uh, and which you can uh, let me point this out, uh, Duncan. So shut up for a second. Um, <laughs> it's a tradition. I got to tell you to shut up once a show. You, you do. You do. I don't feel right if you don't. <laughs> it's a it's a real Icantina situation we have here. Um, <laughs> so if you hop over to the Facebook. And go to uh, the podcast under the stairs. Um, you can find uh, Duncan's uh, maybe not main show, but at least the the flagship show of his personal uh, armada of shows. And <laughs> uh, on the flip side of things, you can go over to Legion Podcasts on uh, on Facebook, and uh, there is where like I get most of my attention uh, focused. So uh, either of those places, drop us a line. Uh, and not just necessarily about that. Just feel free to to say hi and and let us know what you think of the show. So uh, that's it. Thanks very much. Uh, only thing left here is to say good night. Uh, so say good night, Duncan. Good night, Duncan. Good night. And okay, that was great. Let's record one. <laughs> Beside a man, you don't know what he wants. You don't know if he cries at night. You don't know if you don't. When nothing comes easy, old nightmares are real. Until you've been beside a man. Don't know how he feels Once inside a woman's heart A man must keep his head Heaven opens up the door Where angels fear to trail Some men go crazy Some men go slow Some men go just where they want Some men never go
Out of me.